Welcome to Press Card Podcast. My lips are numb, so this was a very bleak intro this week. <laughs> very, oh no. Very weak. Very, very I thought very you were weak. actually going for like a, a very week. This was a very week, you guys. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh-huh. Very. very it was week. so very. This is so very, man. So very. Much weak. He sees back much weak. On very. The other <laughs> very things. much weak. So I just, I just dozed wow. your week. There you, you go. You did doze our week. Um. We so are music. back. Um, I want to start the show off with um, addressing something I'd mentioned last week. I commented on last week's post um, about Adam Warrock's donation drive. I thought it was for charity because he's done charity drives before. But actually, since he releases a lot of free content, the donation drive is so he can keep afloat with a website and other costs. He releases all of his music for free for a month. Everything. Even the paid albums that you can't get for free normally. As well as the songs they release on YouTube that are usually free. And then does a donation drive and has you pay what you want. You can download every record he's ever released and pay nothing. And then later donate what you feel is appropriate. And so that's what the donation drive is for. To keep him being able to make music and art for everybody at low to no cost. Which has worked for, I think, four or five years now. So that's what that's about. You should still go check it out. Crash Chords Corrections. We have a new soundbite. My bump. Wow. Like my bump. I'm gonna give you one in a minute. <laughs> no, that was good. I like that. There you go. Wow. Now I really hate it. He's standing by me. You're gonna trust this? <laughs> I'm sitting next to you. Yeah. Technically, none of us yeah. are standing anywhere. We're sitting. Oh, the semantics that we that we play by week by week. Um, also, I wanted at the top of the show to mention that um, I will be going to LA this week. I will be working on the 24-hour plays out in LA. Um, hoping to actually sit down and talk to some people while I'm out there, but I'm not gonna hold my breath. And Steve's going to Boston, and I'm staying home. Yep. Fun week, John. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Um, this is what video games are for. Not just. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, so I leave. <laughs> video games, yeah. <laughs> I concur. So I'll have more on the L.A. Um, 24-hour place next week, um, but I'm excited to go. I haven't been to L.A., in like two years and um, I'm excited to actually get to work with the talent and do volunteer work for this and I have vacation time so I'm technically getting paid by my job to do volunteer work for someone else which oh, is fun oh you lucky bastard yeah and, and I'm putting I it out there right now I busted my ass to get this job putting it out what? there right now Matt has to bring me back some really awesome hot sauce if I can find it it's I don't LA there's hot sauce I'll see what I can find um so yeah ghost peppers ghost peppers oh no yes Oh, no. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Remember to check the hot sauce. Well, I, no, I don't check it. I don't touch the stuff. When I brought him Ass Blaster, he was the first one to eat it, and we slowly watched him change four different colors before he actually ran for the water. No, I mean on the plane, remember to check the hot oh, sauce. Oh, check it, yes. No. Because of my horror story in Texas when I actually carried it on story. my carry-on, and they took it away from me. It's not a horror story. It's a disappointing They came to tale. take it away from you. Very they disappoint- came to take it away. Ha-ha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... So this week's You're full of jokes, aren't you? Yep. This this week's album is uh, a fan recommendation. Kristen Vislaki, a friend of mine and a fan to the podcast, 
um, recommended this sometime last month, I believe. I don't remember the date off the top of my head. It's Rise Up by the band Saliva. Some interesting facts about the band Saliva, besides being one of my high school music influences, because um, I listened to a lot of the new metal back then that was coming out. Um, they started in 1996. Um, their first big record, six, uh, Every Six Seconds, I think came out in 96 or 97. Um, had uh, singles like Click Click Boom, Superstar, Your Disease, which were really big hits. This was the version of Saliva fronted by Josie Scott, um, a fairly melodic singer who did the verses in a rap rock kind of spoken style. Um, left the band actually in 2011, um, right before the band that made the record we're listening to today came together. He was replaced by Bobby Amaru, who sings more in a Jacoby Shaddix, Papa Roach kind of style. Um, apparently, Josie Scott left to start his own solo Christian rock career, and there's no other information that I've been able to find, which means I guarantee the separation was not mutual and understanding. Um, mm. They've released six or seven albums, and their, their style was pretty much typical new metal. Rap rock courses... Melodic verses, um, a lot of emo-ish emotional songs, usually about breakup and that's death. The old, that's the old stuff now. The old yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was somewhere between Linkin Park and Disturbed. Yeah, in sound. Okay. Um, the newer stuff, well, the newest stuff, I the album. I still think it's somewhere between Linkin Park and Disturbed. The yes. current album, yes, <laughs> but there were some character traits of the original band with, with Josie Scott that stood out to me, and part of that could be nostalgia, I'll openly admit. However... This new iteration with, with, with Bobby, it just lacks something. And we'll probably get more into detail about that as we talk about the record. Oh, but the record know. is called Rise Up. And something to say up front, the, um, the album was actually originally going to be released as an album called In It To Win It. Um, but I believe a lot of that was written with Josie. Um, they actually removed three songs from that original fan album and added in two of the, like iTunes bonus tracks. Yeah. Even though In It to Win It is still a track on this album. It's yes. track 10. So the, the thing was they, they rearranged the album, re-recorded it with the new singer, and so the In It to Win It, what I believe was only a fan release and was available online. It never got a, a large, wide commercial release. But they got re-signed to a new uh, they got signed to a new record label and with that, recorded re-recorded the songs and released it as Rise Up, which came out this year. Um, I believe two or three months ago. Um, so that's the album that we're reviewing today that was recommended by Kristen. Um, so it has this new singer, which actually I didn't realize the first time I listened to the album. I don't know if it was from lack of paying attention or if... You just thought his voice got weak? Maybe, but I actually well, I didn't notice Well, I heard them side it. by side. I think there's a similar register there. Yeah. Um, granted, they do different things later in their songs. Yeah. But I think the register could sound kind of in the same place. And it, the music um, hasn't really evolved that much they from don't, the older stuff. They're tenors. They don't stray too high. They don't stray too low. So yeah. it's not uh, it's not something that's really hard to imagine. And on that note, you know, that's probably somewhere in the reasoning and the choice for taking the new singers. They probably don't want to... They, they don't want to abandon the saliva sound. If they no. have a fan base that grew up with it, then why would they sound drastically different? Granted, though, we will come across some things that um, are a little skewed. Not necessarily talking about them in terms of, of, of how it's strayed from the old uh, saliva, for instance, but just 
how and where it fits in the music of today because the first thing I noticed with this band is that it's fitting very 90s, maybe early 2000s and whatnot, and I really can't picture too many bands in the late thousands or or necessarily this decade which would really fit the bill. It seems like somewhat of a dated style, like they were locked in a time capsule. I wouldn't even say 2000s. This really does feel like Screams a 20-year-old. Well, well, I still remember I, I still remember it from high school and I'm a little younger so my high school was in the early 2000s years. Um so I, I would it, it persisted until then for sure. Well, I would argue that it's late 90s early 2000s because they this band didn't come around to the mid mid 90s and a lot of bands like Saliva, Three Days Grace, and a few others all came around in the mid to late 90s. So it was late 90s early 2000s is when New Metal really started to thrive. Disturbed also came out around the same Well, New time. Metal also had very different brands. I mean, this yeah. to me honestly speaks more to the hardcore side of things than New Metal to be frank. I... New Metal granted, I mean, it's not it's not full on metal. It's supposed to be really a more expansive or bolder side of metal rather than fitting the older metal framework that existed back in the 80s. But, you know, this really wasn't that. <laughs> this no. wasn't really breaking any boundaries. It's stuck in the same uh, verse chorus structure, and to me, that's hardcore. Well, new metal's a uh, word that we're I would use. say. No, wait, wait. The new metal's a word we're going to use to describe their earlier work. This is alternative hardcore. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that can't, I, would... I cannot throw the word alt in See, here. But, in but I would. Because it's the alt rock. But I wouldn't even throw in the word hardcore, because hardcore has much more aggressive singing, slurred lyrics. It's more, a more aggressive sound. This just wasn't... It was too melodic to be hardcore. I feel it's more uh, a post-grunge or or even just hard rock than hardcore. <laughs> yeah, interesting. no, that's it. Interesting I think that we should have rock. so much difficulty placing this, considering that I think it's so ubiquitous a sound. Yeah. I mean, it was so present. It's, it's not anything rock. that I really had to think about. Like, huh, where do you place I that? would make it more generic, like hard rock. I mean, which umbrella right, no, you know stuff. What? I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that. Hard rock is... Is, is probably much better than hardcore in this instance. Yeah. Because um, I hear the melodic stuff, and also it really reminds me of the kind of stuff we heard from, from him back in episode 46, yeah. which was uh, dubbed love metal at the time, which did have a more melodic nature, yeah. but over similar ranges of, of heavy guitar. And it's not that far afield from the Papa Roach album we reviewed either. Um, it, this has a very similar sound. Do you remember that. the way they, they were considered genre-wise? Yeah, new metal. They were. Oh, they, they were considered. He was rap. Well, rock. I do remember bolder. Yeah, I remember bolder things about that style yeah. for sure. But anyway, this is uh, definitely something I think we're going to come back to as we get into the meat of this album and start just talking about the details here. First of all, our title track "Rise Up" is the straight first track. up. Yep, straight up the first track. Uh, do you let's think, just wait. talk a little bit about the about their expositions here. I hesitate to call them expo- expositions because, frankly, they're just they're intros for the sake of intros. Little sound bites that they sometimes throw in the beginnings and and sometimes they also bookend tracks at the beginning and end. In this particular case, I heard a little scratchy record intro. It was just in the very very beginning, and then that yields to a more varied techno-inspired uh, four bar intro which was frankly my favorite part of this track it was a very Hans Zimmer-esque kind of sound like yes. you would have found it in in, in X-Men or or in, in Batman and he like. dabbled with his, his 
degree of techno for oh sure. yeah for I mean, sure i mean a lot of the songs more modern ones that he's done soundtracks for were big because they had these techno backbeats and kind of this instrumentation that's very similar on zimmer's an interesting case because he he borrows from modern rock he so pl- readily yeah absolutely um and I, I i noted those 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 motifs i think that's kind of things he goes back to whenever he's trying to like build a scene or oh here's the they are hero is stepping into battle and he's all geared up and ready to go I find it becoming a little bit circular. Not so much that Hans Zimmer was borrowing from rock, but now that rock is kind of borrowing from, from Hans, Hans Zimmer, Zimmer yeah. because they see that movie in their head, and that's the way I felt as I was listening to this. Either case, it is still a lot more of an interesting intro than I found in in the meat of this song, because then after that, we yield into something that's... Ah, Frank, I'm going to go right back to hard rock. It's just this steady uh, guitar distortion that is there in the beginning and it's almost there throughout the entire album oh, oh wait 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 don't forget the drum machine i mean drummer yeah oh. the problem with the drummer and at least this track and many others is that there's no there's no levels no layers no originality it's just a lot of no variance. interesting what, a, what an ironic slight that is considering that most drummers strive to, to be, a be very well to be very mechanical well yeah. not not mechanical is not the term but at least they strive to be even yeah every that's a prerequisite for a drummer is being even but granted you go too far with that and you do run the risk of sounding mechanical if you lack dynamics then yeah that's kind of what you're going to end up sounding like and uh, the drumming was not terribly memorable here no it was it was there <laughs> there was an even structure to this piece uh, beyond that I'm noticing a lot of tropes to be frank, I'm noticing a lot of the kind of things you find in in in, in pop music, like throwing in whoa whoa woes woes noes for for no apparent reason, just to sort of rouse you, if that rouses you, if you're well, into that kind of thing. We we are getting something that is extremely formulaic in its verse chorus nature, uh, going so far as oh, to include said that. <laughs> bridges where bridges go, to put intros how intros are supposed to go as according to your standard mathematical formulas. I mean, I'm really not seeing any deviation for a three-minute, 30-second song. You know how long a bridge is going to last. Beyond that, I think they were even less than just that. Because I think the one thing that was really grabbing me or almost jarring me at this point was the fact that they don't really flush out some of these sections. I noticed several instances uh, in the case of, like, a a bridge or, or... or even like the tail end of a verse, where they would move into something briefly interesting, but then they would pull out of it within like maybe just two phrases or or, or, or ten seconds and such, and then immediately you're into the next thing. So really you're getting curtailed versions of what is, what is already a, a fairly formulaic structure. It's like a teacher standing there wrapping their knuckles when they deviate from what they're supposed to be doing. I actually noted that it, it's almost like they could sense the, the shallow depths of these sections, so the whole song had to just take steroids and move from, from intro to intro to verse to bridge to chorus at breakneck speed and then do it all over again at an even more breakneck well, speed. without the kind of, ooh, intro. My biggest gripe with this song also beyond all of this already stated, it's called Rise Up. The album's called Rise Up. You think it'd be a rousing song, a song to inspire you, to get you moving, get you up, or even get you just rocking out, headbanging. And it didn't do that. It just, it didn't inspire... Look, I, I believe that, that names don't necessarily have to be what the song means. Like, I mean, you can have a titled song and then kind of deviate from it. But 
In this case, you're talking Rise Up, which is the theme of the whole album. This this growth to power or this breaking your chains. And it's just, I didn't get that feeling from the wait, song at all. Wait, wait, wait. You weren't inspired by such lyrics as, I wish couldn't go back to yesterday when I learned the truth about love and hate? That's That's not moving you? How about we point the finger at you? So tell me what you think you're going to do. These are crux lyrics, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> These a, are cruxes. That's what's a bummer. I want to go back to something you said about energy, because there was a, a funny thing that I noted about the energy here, because it, it's clear that there is energy present. There, Like, all right, you can probably be a little bit roused. I don't think Rise Up is an, is an appropriate title for this, because everything is fairly flat. I don't notice a lot of development within this, but it at least starts out <laughs> with a sort of bare-bones energy, or how you'd describe energy from the from the get-go but it's almost like a hyperactive child without any of the endearing qualities of a child like you have to deal with that but there's just there's no subtleties there there's no dynamic there's no there's no like oh he said that cute thing right none of that no it's just i i this why won't this child go to bed that's what i felt like like in listening to this track and this is not even really the the worst of it so to speak it's just that's how i would describe a, a stale energetic song. I know that seems like somewhat of of a, uh, of a of a contradiction, but frankly, that's that's kind of what they they're going for here. Yeah, I mean, it's just this song and the start of the record is being gloriously average, even a little less than in parts. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty unpromising intro so far because also just from the overall sound i'm i'm reminded of everything that came before and it felt like it was just chasing some hackneyed imitation of a mood that went stale a decade ago yeah i mean like the difference between this and say like when we did eve six was at least eve six even though they existed in that time period they did something with it they played with the sound they did create a clever lyrics had an emotional connection something any of those things whereas this it sounds like it sounds like the bands that came out in the late 90s, early 2000s with nothing else. Okay. Also, well, one more thing to hear, just while we're, we're touching upon lyrics as you started to, um, particularly this chorus, rise up, come face to face, rise up, let's make a change. Tomorrow could be the end, rise up, you better take a shot, rise up, when it's all you got, tomorrow could be the end. I hear the attempt here to reach something that is rousing. That is supposed to get you going, but they are the most generic phrases. They're the kind of things that you hear in like in like ineffectual seminars and whatnot. Things that you're that you're gonna really kind of be sad that you even spent any money on them (laughs) because you could thought of it yourself. And that's why I'm glad you brought that up because that that's exactly how I really feel about the next song's lyrics. The next song's lyrics are the epitome of that genericness. Okay, track two. She can sure hide crazy. Let's just start there. That's okay. a terrible wait, title. Wait, wait. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. No, I want my rant. You know lyrics yet. She, uh, she can sure hide crazy doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It, it doesn't mean a thing. It just is a generic statement. My biggest problem with this song, lyrically and emotionally, is that there's no detail. If you want to make a song about how crazy someone is, you tell us... What crazy things they did. That they shot someone in the foot. That they kicked them in the head. They knocked them down the stairs. They drove a car through a house. Like, these are crazy things you do. Granted. And that's in ter- that's more theme to me than, uh, the, than the actual musicality here. I am going to play devil's advocate and claim that, especially compared to the first track, this had a little bit more of an assertive intro. It didn't feel like it was hiding as much behind all of the, all of the veils that the first track did. 
it had a little more of a personal character. That's not saying much, but it, some of that had to do with the rhythm. The drums, for instance, really emphasized the upbeat, even if the, the melodies is just the opposite. And on top of that, the, the main guitar riff really emphasized the a 16th note just prior to the beat. And in the first verse, especially as part of the whole softer start, the guitar just cuts out on the 16th note just prior to the third beat, which leaves the remainder of the measure bare, which kind of highlights the vocals and the drums. This, to me, was an intriguing start. I'm going to give it that much credit. But it's not like they perpetuated this for very long, because by the second phrase, the guitar is already filling that space again. So, you know, <laughs> again, it goes back to my earlier point that they can only last so long at a, at a, at a decently intriguing thing. But that's not really where my... Uh, well, my main issues lie with this track. Although, if you have any comments about, about lyrics here, I think that now's the time. Yes, I do. I have plenty of comics. Uh, comics. Comments. Um, it's kind of a comic. I don't... I'm not enjoying the metaphors, because they're not being very metaphorical. <laughs> with lines like, I guess I'll never learn why I keep getting burned. It's too late to put out the fire. There's Okay, alright. Um here's here's the real problem with this line. It can't be metaphor if it's literal. Yeah. You're welcome. That's that's it. It's not a metaphor, it's literal. But it's not really that literal. I guess I never learned why I keep getting burned. Okay. You could take that somewhere. It's too late to put out the fire. This this is actually really at odds with itself. That's the whole thing. It's using that same sort of heat metaphor, that fire metaphor, but it's coming in at two completely different actions. Keep getting burned, putting out a fire. These actually really do have very different connotations in the, in, in the history of what these metaphors are. This is not the only instance of it. Well, they're, not, they're mixing their metaphors. They're attacking their story at different angles, but they're not meshing up right. Beyond that, I'm a little tired of just... I mean, just the, the concept of using fire as a metaphor for, for okay, your life. That's... That, that, that's been done to death, and granted, it will probably be continued to be done to death, but it's not very alluring as a start. It's vague. It's vague, and it kind of goes back to your point, Matthew. You're not really getting to the point here. But the point is, of course, she's crazy. The girl's crazy. This is clearly about, about, about a, a girl who is, well, she can sure hide it, but she's got these little dark sides. I'm not being told this tale at the, in the slightest with these lyrics. I'm not being told exactly what she's doing, just vague impressions of how he reacts to her. The, it, it's painful. The chorus is probably the worst part. While I might be a bastard, a classic disaster, but she's com some kind of actor. She can sure hide crazy. I fell so deep into her spell. Thought she was an angel. She can sure cr hide her crazy. She's a devil in disguise. I can sure realize that was a bridge. Oh, jeez, come on! All right, well, as we're talking, as we get into the like, bridge here, I'm gonna jump back to music. This is so tropey. Yeah, I, lyric-wise, I, I I hesitate to even touch this because it it strikes me as kind of a means to an end. There was a vague idea here, and it, it felt like it was just written in like five minutes. You know, again, just the vague ideas that surround it. Don't bother, you know, filling out the tale. Don't bother describing some of the real ways that she makes you feel. No, just just, just a, a, an overall sense of it. Like the way you might describe this relation problem to a distant co-worker at the water cooler. You know, 
how deep are you really going to get there into the into the meat of this? this? That's not what I want on an album. I, I, I want the meat. If you're going to attack something, especially with this overall hardcore sound, you know, you might as well get down to the real true feelings. Uh, so that leads me back to music here. 30 seconds of the song, Since You Led Me to the Bridge, that's partly it right there. 30 seconds in, we're at a bridge already. Again, breakneck speed, just moving through these sections. But even that's not my problem. The problem is that it actually showed some promise, uh, music-wise. It, 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 I, I got a whopping eight seconds of it. That's really what my problem is. Eight seconds, just like in the first track. Very, very brief. And I can tell you exactly what I liked about it. In the bridge, amidst the guitars just sort of hammering away between these two notes, F and D, there was this vocalized harmony that briefly appeared between the two phrases, the two main melodic phrases, just as D was pivoting back to F. It sounded kind of electronic, but you could hear the voice breaking through. There is a voice in the background there, and it had kind of a personal touch for that reason. More personal than the main vocalist, I think, who was also singing at the time, but part of that is because of the odd timbre and unique harmony that is being attacked here. So the harmony is just simply B up to C, and then simultaneously down to F. But timed with the chord chains, that's the D's 6 to the F's 5. So now you have upward, seemingly outward motion, forming a 6th in one instant, and then a 5th in the next. I'm talking about literally one second of music here. One second. And I, I, I will hammer this home because of how, how fleeting it was. So you got that 6th moving to a 5th. And that resolve into the fifth is actually a pretty striking piece of voice leading because there's a pleasing openness to the perfect fifth, especially one that stands in a sea of frankly boring bass lines amped way up almost as a defense mechanism. And the melody certainly isn't helping out. It's practically tethered to the home key. So we're mostly ignoring harmony here throughout, throughout all these tracks and ignoring the mid-range too, save for just this one instance. And furthermore, that's my real point here, it's just an instance. We have only one phrase in the bridge. Actually, I'm sorry, one more phrase in the bridge to follow this. That's two phrases total, and instead of yielding to the harmony maybe a second time, or maybe expanding it, bringing it in in a different way, it's also just as restless as everything else, quickly handing the torch over to the chorus, which is no more inspiring. Okay, I'm going to beat a dead horse right here, and kind of sum up but also belittle what you just said so don't hate me go for it it. it's what you're saying is what you're saying is it's it's lincoln parks parks uh, words we're passionate we're passionate but we're also sensitive the problem is they go back and say we're really just passionate that is exactly it that that is probably your your best comparison yet and and probably the best instance in which you will ever throw back that uh, that early quote of mine mm-hmm. from a very early episode which was in fact episode 1 it yes, was yes. Linkin Park we reviewed Linkin yeah. Park in episode 1 it was the one and only time we had two album reviews my brief recommendation review and then an actual review yeah, and there's lots of instances where that where it's kind of come up that 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 quote might be relevant and perhaps no more than here because and it's a worse instance of it too because of that exact thing it does well, they don't it does the... show this little bit of of sensitivity in this but they don't get to say the that they I just described no, 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 no. In, har- in harmony, but then yeah, it just—it's a glimmer, and it, then it they don't even get to say back. the whole damn word. That's the whole thing. We're passionate. We're passionate. We're passionate. Exactly. That's exactly it. Well, Th- that's what I get out of this, and and out of so many other moments too. And and on top of it, I mean, you want an emotional connection to a song about someone being crazy. Okay, as a person in any relationship. You can relate to having been in a relationship where someone else was crazy. I am not going to narrow it to 
you know, man-man or man-woman or woman-woman. It doesn't matter. Relationship. Someone's been crazy in a relationship you've been in. Everyone's gone through it unless you met your high school sweetheart and got married and whatever. I'm not talking to you. Lucky you. My big problem is if you want to convey emotion, there's no emotion in vagueness. The song, Why Don't You Get a Job by Offspring, talks about how how much one significant other hates the other in fine detail. Like, my my friend's got a girlfriend. Man, he hates that bitch. He tells me every day. I mean, it, it, the song, when that song goes into the, like, it talks about the girl's got expensive taste. Bill collectors come, are trying to keep bill collectors at bay. Like, specific instances and things that they're interacting with in their life. They paint the picture that make it more believable. And of course, you know, you can go too far with that also, where you pound in so much information and then you wind up just pummeling, uh, you know, the details, but that- I just want some Oh yeah, information. of course, some. No, you always have to go for a middle ground. I'm just saying if you go too far, then no, you lack course, the narrative and you have facts, but this is the exact opposite. This is just thin, vague impressions of something that's, you know, again, you can, I know this person and I don't know his name. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. That's the problem, yeah, is you don't get the story. You just get a few details, and it's not enough. I'll say a couple more things about the chorus here. Because the chorus, I mean, it's driven by some, I would call it downward chromatic motion, but that's kind of like the oldest trick in the book to sort of give the impression that your chorus... I even remember your chorus, this one. Your chorus is falling, you know, it's... it's it's um. A trope. It's a kind of unwinding factor, but yes, it is a trope. And I, I, know. I, I fear we're going to come back to that word You mentioned it before here. and said the word trope describing it. It's... I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. Vu. I'm done with it. It doesn't fit here. I mean, it doesn't fit here, especially with this... Uh, especially with this theme. Because, you know, very often, you know, you can justify these things with the um, the theme. But it's just a tool. It's a tool that was, that was used... And that's about it. And then <laughs> the song, the song just yeah, it discarded. The song stepped off after this point. There was some little things like there's a pretty interesting vocal harmony on the climax. Uh, later, I believe it was in maybe the second chorus. Oh, that was impressive in a way. You do get solos here. You're not. I mean, it's not just pure verse, chorus, verse, chorus. You do get solos. Yeah, but the they're pleasing in a way. But, but the problem with the solo again, they is, lack expansion. Yeah, they're very finger, they're rising, fingering, and that's it. And then it just ends. You yeah, know? the the hand starts at the top of the neck of the guitar and just slowly creeps down as the uh, strumming becomes more furious, more furious. It's very that's cliche. how solos are done. And in addition to that, there's also moments in these tracks, and I am speaking broadly here because they will appear again, uh, where they might do something fairly different, as if to imply there's some kind of B section coming. Of course, there never is. Uh, in this case, it was sort of a muffled interlude where all the instruments just conspicuously absent for a very confusing three measures, which yeah. is an odd. No, I mean, usually it that's goes the kind for of, at least yeah, eight well, or so. Yeah, you'd have eight would be would be a, a godsend for this yeah. for this track, but uh, or for this section. But you know, at least like the rounded four, and I I, I know a lot of the time that's that's shortened for the effect of sort of being uh, a little bit subtle or a little bit quirky or not quite even. It just, it, it didn't fit this track. This track is so straightforward that that one moment is not going to throw me into believing that they're, uh, that they're, that they're quirky. That or that's, deep. Or, or... I would never use the word quirky to describe saliva and probably most. I think the word I'm actually looking for is cheeky. They are not cheeky either. <laughs> they were. They were. They're older records. They had a little tongue-in-cheek in the lyrics. That is not here anywhere. Well, actually, that's not true. That'll come later, and it fails. <laughs> my, 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 uh... Well, that's later. 
my period here at the end of this sentence is, is just that it's at least in, in terms of that that one little section i give it points for being unpredictable but no points for being pointless there you go well because you can't have points if you're pointless that that was implied by, by, by I know, by but it's yeah. it's it's yeah, yeah. less more funny if I explain it. Anyway, whoa. <laughs> moving on to track three, no one but me. Um, yeah, this song had another. No, it had a good intro. It it, it had it. Did... All three of us said movies. Yeah, so so the... let's describe this intro just a little. bit. This is worth repeating. Yeah, this intro is is more unique than the others that have come, and they actually flesh it out a little bit. It's it felt like kind of a. At first, it seems to imply loneliness. Even just the title itself, No One But Me, first, first seemingly seems to imply loneliness. Um, and I, this this initial soundbite here, it felt very vacant, kind of like a hostile landscape, so that's fit, fitting the bill so far. Kind of like a deserted town with rotting bodies on the ground, which was kind of aided by that little insect sound, like a fly buzzing that went around it at the same time. So I'm picturing, you know cadavers or a hellish landscape or something like that and then i came to the conclusion that it's really just a fiery pit of desire because of course the title is deceptive the mere the lyrics when they come along they make you understand that it's not all about being alone it's about being the only one in someone else's life no one but me so in that vein it turns to be really turns out to be a very sexually charged track about possession possession of someone else which is a little heavy-handed but it you know if that's what turns you on. Everyone wants and wants to be wanted, so I'm going to give it that much that much of a pass. But there's lots of little things that need addressing here, especially in the actual musicality of this track. Some good, some bad. We're going to first talk about how that introduction becomes a cold shower. Well, That's what bothers me. Well, because the intro, nothing happens. No, it was building. It was it was going somewhere. You had that desire. Well, there's it a, did great. And there's and a transition sudden, there. You get the yell out, this sort of... Uh, the. Uh, the male call in the background, sort of ushering in something. Just this, this, this yell, ah, and, then <laughs> and it's kind of, sudden, of desire. With... But, 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 <laughs> it's like a cold shower. The way it just fully plateaus. It plateaus completely plateaus. Because then, what do you get? You get the same tone as before, essentially the same kind of guitar distortion. It's heavy. It's deliberate. It's not even really cagey this time. The the drums are very steady, very march like, and. If I was to isolate one thing about this track that I did kind of like, it was the main refrain that was just prior to the verse that had a very musy vibe. You get that? I'm, yeah. I'm referring to the band Muse and their tendency to, to go very exotic and grand at times, sort of Middle Eastern, uh, yeah. specifically it, Egyptian. It reminded me of a metal band uh, called Symphony X who dabbles with a kind of very more filled out kind of exotic sound like that in their metal and it was similar in sound to that it reminded me of a song that i cited specifically called egypt that had a very kind of egyptian sound right. and this so this song <laughs> kind of followed that path but very very minimally and then faded it's grand it's rousing in a way like an eastern palace of some vague origin you yes. can't really put your finger on it but it's there a lot of that is because the melody is all in phrygian which is like the key to actually achieving that eastern sound and the chords generally rock between the first and second increments of that scale. C-sharp major, and then up a half step to D major. Kind of as if to tease you with little glimmers of the exotic, and then just go home again. Yeah. <laughs> and it just rocks back and forth for, for quite a while. The verse uh, keeps relatively the same chord progression. The chorus kind of returns to the, f to the refrain a little bit. Same progression, but, but uh, with the more musy in instrumental at the top. 
Plus, there's actually a vo vocal melody there, which was kind of a nice touch. Um, also, an interesting choice was the transition back to the verse. Instead of pivoting between the 1 and the flat 2, it pivots between the 1 and the flat 5, the tritone, which kind of implies Locrian, which isn't a far cry from Phrygian at all. But I thought the execution was kind of sloppy, to be honest. Yes. It just sounds like a moody insert in what was otherwise already, you know, a little exotic. So they just would go a little bit further into the exotic territory. But by the it second verse, no. I'm really bored of this riff. Yeah, yeah. Well, the riff ended up becoming... That is the riff. It's just... The back and forth between the verse and the chorus was... And this is another one of my famous metaphors... A NASCAR race. You're getting your straightaways and your curves, and then your straightaways and your curves. It's going around in a circle. It goes nowhere, and it's going there fast. <laughs> it's going there at energy, at speed, but it's going nowhere. It keeps repeating that same idea. Yeah, well, even in NASCAR, you get some bumping, some grinding, the guys are hitting each other. Maybe there's a crash. Maybe something's going to happen. Here, we're not even getting that. No, it's, so, it's kind of what I said in the first track about how its energy level just sort of achieves this one thing, and that's all it's set out to do yeah, in the once beginning. Once you hit a 165 miles an hour, that's where you're at. Right. The main thing you're lacking is dynamics here. So, uh, essentially, what you're getting is just 1 to flat 2, or 1 to flat 5. So, home, foreign, home, foreign, home, foreign. There is some, perhaps, artistic justification for this. And it's the only time in this album where I can really maybe give it this pass. But even then, I'm not going to go so far with it. And it's mainly because of the theme of this track, which I'm going to get into now. I already stated that it's about possession. So obviously this is very sexual. And it's, it's, it's straight up in the middle of the act. I mean, these... These lyrics here, I love it when you scream my name. Nobody make you feel the same. I love to make you come undone. Really Ooh, nice, that, yeah, nice like play that. on the come like right that. there, right? right? Went right over your head, I bet. And I will want, I, I will make you want no one but me. No one but me. Want no one but me? Fuck no one but me. Okay. It's so, okay. this is so high school. I'm taking over. That's it. I am grabbing the steering wheel. All right, but you, well, first of all, but you do get my artistic justification. Yes. Here. The pivoting back and forth there. Yes. That is essentially the sex. And then I'm going to crap all over it. I get it. Oh, but, no. I'm, but I'm going to destroy it. Because I'm already the, planning to crap over myself. Don't worry. <laughs> ew. Ew. Um, <laughs> the, the thing, the big problem here, and I haven't really spoke to emotionality of this album very much because there isn't any, and this track is the same. It's a sexual track. It borderlines on possession, which can go places that make people uncomfortable, and yeah. that's the point. However, if you're talking about possession and owning somebody sexually, which is a dangerous place to go because it leads to themes that are actually inappropriate, be that as it may, I never felt inappropriate, I never felt uncomfortable, I never felt sexually charged, I never felt sensual, I never felt erotic or aroused, I never felt love or lust, none of these things. Like even Exactly, because as supporters of the arts, we would never be so bold as to step in there and be like, you can't say that, it's offending people. No, it's not about that. You can offend people all you want, you can make me feel angry, you can make me feel, feel, uh, feel weirded out. Ooh, that would have been really interesting. If like, they went look, in the direction where I felt like this guy was some sort of potential rapey type person, that actually would have been somewhat of a success for this track because then it would have it would have achieved right. its goal. Well, it didn't do that. Well, right. Because whether... That's its fault. Because what, what your views are, not obviously we're not supporting that kind of a thing, but the idea that at least if you are being 
shocking, you're being something. Oh, hell, no. It's not even a matter of support and whatnot. Like, th this is kind of a common turn-on, you know, the whole concept of domination and No, all no, that. yes, which that's is not, not the That's same. not something to necessarily disparage. Everyone has their no, thing. No, 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 I'm so not, I'm not saying yeah. that. It's oh, not that. It's the fact that they failed at that. No, yes, of course. I'm that's the problem. It's presented as mindless porn. Yeah. It's not even good porn. It's not porn with maybe a story or something weird going on or anything like that. It's mindless, gentrified porn. It's 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 mindless desire. It's mindless, I want you, and that's it. Yes. I have the, a pizza. The, the oh, really more, I want you to want me. The, the clarification I, really I was trying to make is that this, this rapey tone is not okay. But, but again, being not okay would still be shocking. Not that we'd agree with it. Yes, obviously, the idea of domination and, and submissiveness and S&M and that thing is very common. Plenty of people do it. But it doesn't achieve that either. It doesn't achieve anything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It just achieves nothing. And when you're, talking, when you're dealing with a sex track, the fact that you can't achieve anything is a problem. Even a band like Nickelback did a song called S.E.X. about sex and talking about the act. It at least sounded erotically pornographic. It wasn't, I didn't love the track, but it accomplished something with the title. This for it just means nothing. The title means nothing. There's no emotionality. All right, well, hold on. I don't want to go too far with this, but it depends on, it actually does depend on how far you want to go with it. I think that in just in terms of achieving uh, the, the, the sexual performance, or at least the raw sexuality of it all, because sex, it is the interplay of both harshness and also kind of the caress, in which case it does give you that two-chord framework with with some valid artistic justification. It goes there and it comes home again. It goes there, comes home again. And as you balance out this oscillation, you do kind of feel it in a certain sense. So what I'm really saying is that the track is ideologically pure. I see exactly what they're doing here, and maybe that's why it's not selling me. Because every choice here is grounded more in reason than in reaction, which is what the true human mark of a raw, sexually motivated art piece would be. I feel like here, the tools were clearly borrowed and maybe no one would have been the wiser if only the drawers hadn't been left open. <laughs> okay. I'm still going to go back to my metaphor. I got a sausage pizza for you. Oh, you lowbrow. <laughs> I don't do highbrow, man. I don't do highbrow. No, I still he, laugh at He doesn't at even burps. know how to spell highbrow. Um, I mean, you see how I'm saying let's though, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I, it, yes, you can unravel this piece and, and, and put it back together again. You're only supporting my argument, and yes, I, I get it. You, yeah. You, you, I... It's too simplistic. No, wait, but wait, but wait. Humpty Dumpty fell the wall, and you could put them together. Yes. <laughs> don't. No, no, no. Don't worry. There's hope. The next song is a slow song. So the song is called and... Lost. Um, the first thing you get right off the bat. First of all, the song kicks in with your kind of more easy rock acoustic style. Look, a slow very, song. very, very tropey as far I as these kind of bands go. I was definitely, definitely pleased at this point to hear a different tonality. Yes. It's a more heartwarming acoustic bass. Yes, it also. Sad has these light string swells in the background. Did you notice that alongside yes, the pretty. acoustic bass? Musically, oh, wait, very nice. But the strings do drop out in the verse. But that was kind of a nice touch, actually. It leaves just the vocals and the guitar. And sort of contemplative lyrics, which are which which fit, and frankly, they're they're more in the high end uh, of this album in terms of of lyrical choice. Sleepless nights, tangled in misery, can't believe the damage I've done. It's a little bit more imagery. It is, it's 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 painting a picture at least, and that that phrase culminates with uh, with two voices actually, specifically over the can't believe the damage I've done. There's a second voice in there. It could be a backing member, which joins in to sort of help the the lead singer descend in thirds. So some interesting choices here in the really really early portion of this of this song 
Um, in addition, there's also sort of a light synth oscillation that gradually builds in the background and blends kind of well with that acoustic uh, guitar, the acoustic bass. And then it just cuts out at the end of the phrase. Still, all of this is fairly tasteful. But it does build back to the heavier chorus, or it might be more of a pre-chorus. Either way, I suppose at this point in the album, this was inevitable. They're yes. making a left turn. Well, see... It's NASCAR. I mean, um, it, um, it, it hit the same exact point. I'm still not going to hate on it. No, this track, well, first of all, emotionally, there's stuff here. I can dig in on this one. Yes. The, the lyrics, the music, all support this idea of feeling lost. This, this, heartfelt, this heartfelt longing to find yourself, find someone, find something. He, he, the way he sings, it comes from a place of someone who just doesn't know where they are or what they're looking for. And it's conveyed so clearly in this song, which is all I wanted at this point, at any point, and the is melody, something to attach and, 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 and commiserate with. The melody kind of carried that also. I think it made for one of the most powerful choruses yet. And another reason for that uh, was the fact that they actually went for a more classic four-chord progression, which incidentally has been part of the progression since the beginning of the song. It's just now a little more anthemized. And even though I do frequently poke fun at four-chord progressions, let's just clear the air, they do pack a punch. They always have. We're just programmed that way. That's why they get stuck in your head. They're addicting because they have motion to them. That's that's four in distinct increments. And this one is, is a classic. Uh, minor one, major three, major seven, major four. Might be known to many as, as the progression from Oasis's Wonderwall, actually. Mm -hmm. And that was an insanely popular track. You can actually like sing along to that uh, maybe earlier in the verse because it would be hard to do that during the chorus. But earlier in the verse, you can do to, do to that. You can sing along the uh, Wonderwall lyrics to this, albeit slower, it will work. Um, a slight diatribe, but related to this song. John making diatribe. a comment about the, the cliche acoustic track. So I've been recently listening to the newest album from a band called Power Man 5000. Um, I've been a big fan of theirs since around the same time this band came around. They're in that new metal vein. They went more technology kind of style. Anyway, their newest album I really enjoy. They have a track on it called I Want to Kill You. It's an acoustic track, but it's still got the technology sounds, and the lyrics are an aggressive song's lyrics sang over an acoustic crooner rock style song. I thought that was fascinating. That's curious. Because... A song where you regret... It talks about a couple aggressively wanting to kill each other. Being so miserable they want to kill each other. See, now there's a bold yet taboo topic which would, if, if successful, would easily trump the last track. Right. And I just think it's interesting because they took the cliche acoustic track but did something with it. And that's all I really want. And Lost broaches that but doesn't really achieve it. Um, all in all, though, it's at this point my favorite track on the album. Not that the competition was stiff. Um, the melody, I think, was the real thing that carried this track along, and 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 lyrics too. Uh, but just to harp on the melody here a little bit, it's sort of that short staccato manner of singing around the time of the chorus. That again, it's working in thirds. Um, it's also the kind of chorus that breaks free from the chord patterns uh, before wrapping up. So it, you know, that's not a groundbreaking thing, but it's a nice wrap around uh, to, to sort of bring it back to to the to the verse. Another thing to mention about this, verse number two. Notice I haven't really been saying anything about like, oh, verse two or chorus two, because generally they've been they've very been the identical. same at verse one and yeah. chorus one. It's just a reprise, and you just kind of sit there to deal with the same stuff. In this particular case, 
uh, we do have some change-ups on returning verses. Uh, verse 2 added more of a rounded, uh, dynamic drum work uh, alongside the melody. And the guitar, the heavy guitar does come back, as we're no stranger to it at this point, but does come back more as another piece of that whole Hans Zimmer prepare for battle kind of thing. It, again, a little, still a little cliched, but there's some layering here. I was pleased with this. You know, at least on the return, I'm not bored if I'm introduced to something new. It's, I, strange that, you know, I'd be approaching this with some kind of, like, a a ADD uh, concept, but the fact of the matter is, is you do need to engage your audience, and if, if you don't have a, a catchy enough verse or a catchy enough chorus to begin with, and this track, I'm so far holding it up as one of the best on the record. It's still not an outlandishly great track, but it has merits to it. So, at least with an existing framework that I wasn't hating, and they still decided to make it more interesting as it progresses, this is easily number one for the album uh, at this particular point. Let's see if anything else uh, trumps that. But otherwise, um, anyone else have anything to say about this track? I had almost nothing to say about this track. Really? Well, then let's hit... Well, no, no, I, no, I, no, I, I, I want to hear that. There's a big reason for that. Why? And I'll keep it short and simple. You guys found so much more than I did. I felt this was actually quite cold and impersonal. It's still... And look, it's still very mechanical in a sense. We're talking... This, this... I could have found this in, like, the worst of Evanescence's work. Like, this is so cliche in so many ways. Yeah, but I would take a lot of Evanescence's work over this... Over the, the tracks that we had so far. Again, we are on track four here. Track... We're not too deep into the album, but the first three have been very cold and mechanical in their own way. Or they've been tropey beyond the coldness and, and the mechanical. Because I, sometimes I can accept cold and mechanical over the tropey. I don't know. The, no. and, the, and the main emotional <laughs> conveyance from this Depends. track comes from the way he's singing. It's, for me, anyway, it was less about the music, because the music was very cliche for an acoustic track. But he, his singing was more, yeah, had more character and was more heartfelt than anything that had come I think before. so. And I, I, won't, I will give you some credit, though, John. I did notice this toward the end, especially as we have the solo, as we do have solos here in this work. It's kind of an 80s style guitar solo. Um, but the wraparound after that felt very mechanical. Again, kind of like just cutting and pasting. It, it felt like the, the chorus didn't necessarily belong at that, at that moment, so it was hard to really get roused by it. But we do have har nice harmonies throughout, um, especially when the way they come back at the very end of this track, they say, buried under me in this really high fashion. That was, that was a nice touch. Um, so... On the whole, I I'm sticking with what I said. I think this is a smoother execution than what we've had. Again, out of we're nearing the halfway point of this album. We're not quite there yet, but still. No, we're not. I'm, I, would, I would do one of you's and just go, sure. Oh, fine. Yeah. Let's well, let's see on, how... Man. Good. See how that uh, enters in once we tackle 1,000 Eyes. <laughs> track so track five. Eyes. So, this, this... You had mentioned earlier, but this also had that chromatic kind of... Um, Guitar change that, uh, that you had mentioned in previous tracks. It as was well. it was the lullaby verses with the high end choruses. Well, let me just touch upon the intro first. That's in the that's in the the break once we get the the quintessential uh, saliva heavy guitar stepping in. The intro, the drums had again this this these little alluring sound bites. This kind of sounded like the drums were at the far end of a warehouse, and the guitar was a little bit more close. It was a little more solitary. 
and that kind of that, that distance between those two instruments was a nice effect but again very brief very fleeting and then suddenly there's this this break where the heavy guitarists just step in and that's where we get that sort of falling chromatic riff um there's a little bit more interesting here than perhaps the free previous instance but uh it didn't it didn't grab me insanely well that's because i believe that they're executing a tried and true format of their lyrics i'm, I'm fairly certain this is a zombie apocalypse well, speaking of nostalgia, this is actually the track which I really stood by. It sounded exactly like a hymn track. Uh, the singing style especially, it sounded kind of close, a little bit whiny. I, I would attribute love metal to this very in a heartbeat. I mean, I would only di disagree because there is a ba there's a wider range in Velo singing, the lead singer of him. He can get much higher and much lower than this guy does. This guy is flat. That's He's true. He's the I, I same... The same style but of singing. I do remember that, that does that, that, that actually range. promotes my zombie theory. <laughs> I walk alone through a crowd of a thousand eyes, so dead and cold, I'm walk alone. I walk alone with shadows of empty souls, just skin and bones. I walk alone. Okay, rant time. Zombie. You know, well, yes, <laughs> zombies is a trope that's done everywhere, but you know what? We, as a culture, are obsessed with them, so I give that a pass just because... I don't give it a pass because I'm, I'm a little over it. Well, <laughs> yeah, little... but you're also not as into major pop culture as a lot of other people, depending on the zone. No, I just, I just, I wore off it, like, three years ago. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make, the rant that I'm trying to have, if you're going to write song lyrics and you're going to use incorrect grammar... Make it worthwhile. There are plenty of songs that were made famous with incorrect grammar, using words that don't exist, using conjugation that doesn't exist. Fine, I have nothing against that. But don't make crappy lyrics with bad grammar, because then it just sounds bad. Which instance are you citing? Can you cite one particularly? Well, the one... The... I'm walk alone. Um, that can, you know, there could be a, a, an error in... Uh... No, I you know because a lot of it. a lot of lyrics we we confess there's some lyrics that we get offline here and I I, I don't think I recall hearing that in the music so you I, mentioned I don't want to hold that so close later though that was also grammatically incorrect I, I think it was actually something earlier that uh, that bothered me but either way if you're going to write... I think that was that was back in in the case of of um of no one but me. I love it when you scream my name. Nobody make you feel the same. That, that was that's, straight up in the lyrics. And and you know what? I just there's no reason for it. It's dumb. It doesn't make sense. It's a means to an end. It fits. It fits. You. No, I mean in a, in the poorest of ways. It's a means to an end when you're sitting there and you're writing your stanza, and you're just like, uh, I don't have any time to to figure out any other way to write this. So you know what? Cowboy up and do some extra yeah. work. It's unacceptable. <laughs> Sorry. I get that you're 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 explaining what their thing may be, but I'm gonna do a thing you usually do. I don't care what the reason is. It's unacceptable. It's poor. It's pathetic. Like they they have Fine. talent. Destroy my satire. This Fine. this step on it. Just step on it. This band has potential. They've shown some skill and talent here. So to have blatantly talentless mistakes bugs me to no end. No, well, I'm not defending it in the slightest. It's 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 um. This is okay. not the worst of these particular lyrics are not the worst to me, but um, because you know it gets a little interesting meter wise a little bit later. I'm gonna get to that in a second. Um, I have a big issue though, and it, it's not with the lyrics; it's with the post chorus chorus riffs. The 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 guitar work in that post chorus turnover into the next verse. 
I really hate that. That's one of the biggest tropes. Where is that? Uh, post-chorus. Right after the chorus. Oh, just following. Yeah, it's like a anti-bridge. And it's so simple. That's the biggest issue. This is some of the most simplistic instruments I'm finding on the album. It is... Simplistic instrumentation, yeah. Yeah, it it's is um, like, come on, man. You know three chords and he's repeating it ad nauseum. Wouldn't an anti-bridge be a hole? Or, I don't know, a crevasse. Maybe a tunnel. A gap. I don't know. There's a, a valley. Ways. Might be a tunnel. No, no, a tunnel. It's, a, it's a valley. Instead of going over the water, you go under. I, I like crevasse. Only because I like saying the word crevasse. Obviously. Anyway, the chorus, yeah, I, I'm with you there. The, the lyrics there are, are particularly annoying. I walk alone with the shadow of empty souls, with skin and bones. It's very, you know, forget zombie-oriented. It's just... The, the incessant fascination with the macabre, which is all well and good. It always has its place. It always will have its place as long as we're mortal. But uh, again, it's kind of like the, the thing from earlier with fire, you know, going back to the same old thing. All right. Using it as a metaphor for whatever little problem that you have. If you're going to if you're going to it's use, empty. If you're going to use a trope and a tired trope at that, do it in an interesting way, at least, I think is essentially what we're getting at. If you're going to use fire or darkness or any of this stuff, don't do fire bad. You know, you've got to give us more than that. You've got to... Suddenly Phil Hartman SNL comes back to mind. <laughs> yeah, you have to get... You have to give more with a tired metaphor. If you're going to use a tired metaphor, do it in a unique and interesting way. Get our attention. Yeah. Beyond that, there was also uh, the echo, which I think I found a little more distasteful than the lyrics themselves. Because, frankly, to be frank, a lot of people get away with these lyrics, and I, I feel a little bit harsh uh, just honing in on that, because there is a, a, a viable audience for this kind of macabre speech. I walk alone with shadows of empty souls, just skin and bones, I walk alone. It's the echo following that that really more bothered me. The guy in the background that has to repeat that final line, I walk alone. <laughs> I, I really hate using this word because it is the ultimate dick word that, that critics fall back on, but this that is really contrived. <laughs> ultimate dick word? I thought the ultimate dick word would be dick. Well, no. Now, I'm going with, for, for, criti whole... for critic speak, it is the word contrived. Yeah, that's fair. Here's, here's the thing. Having somebody repeat it, even if it's him, belies the whole idea of being alone. alone. Yeah, it's another guy. <laughs> Look, there he is. He's also alone. Now we're alone together. I don't know if it's the backing singer. It could be him, like, like uh, vocally oh, over it. It doesn't uh, come know. off as an echo. It, it could be a layer. But it doesn't matter. Why else would you want to do a layer if you want to uh, symbolize another player? Let's be alone person. together. Yeah. Um, something interesting after the second verse. Instead of reciting the fairly bland melody for four lines straight, you get two lines of it here, and then a little bit more of an engaging spin. So I don't want to be completely negative on this track. There's some interesting things, just like in the previous track, when it goes into the second verse, sometimes there's a little bit of expansion, a little bit of exploration. In this particular case, let's call it verse 2B. And that is where it goes into the, um, unless your finger's on the trigger of a loaded gun, Fighting like you're not afraid of everyone. And I don't do it justice. This is actually stated a lot quicker than the previous two lines of, of lyrics. It's more like, unless your finger's on the trigger of a loaded gun, fighting like you're not afraid of anyone. It's a, the meter here was, was fairly pleasing. And it does kind of switch it up. It gives the song a little bit more pep. And then there's the belt out, we won't get out alive, I'm not scared to die. And it builds more naturally to a chorus at this particular point, I, fo I, I, th I thought. So, you know, 
Yeah, I gotta like, get this song its points. It's not a complete failure, this track. No, the yeah. verses aren't the bad point. It's those choruses. Again, I... I got another, really, I got it's, another it's moment in a minute. It's during, and post-chorus that I really have my... My not happiness. I don't have a huge issue with it. That rant was more about the song previous with the bad grammar. It just this reminded me of it. I, don't, I didn't really hate the lyrics. The song wasn't as impactful as Lost for me emotionally. Um, I'm still waiting for another emotion, which I'll get in the next track when we move on to it. Um, but but I just I didn't get as much of a connection to this. That macabre loneliness. I didn't even really feel that as much. Like, All right, well, they were you're honing in on what you can. I'm trying to hone in on what I can in this case. Um, the solo, for instance, was actually probably one of the better solos in this album. It was very in line with the melody. It dives a bit deeper. Bit deeper. The problem, though, is that it was so short. Again, the solos here, it's like they could really only manage about eight bars of them, which is really kind of a jib. And I think it was even less than eight bars. I, I'm not, I forget exactly how long it was, but the phrase of that solo, it ended with this pretty cool combo trill and this upward slide. You recall that? It was sort of this very fast guitar rise. Kind, yeah. kind of the... That was actually... It was an interesting moment. Again, it's just a moment. But I think it was, it's the only thing I remember. <laughs> distinctly. We, we noticed our guitar solos, I mean, growing up when we grew up. Either case, it was presented as, as if it was about to build to something even greater. Maybe a, a solo part two, perhaps? Like a more intense segment of the solo. But instead, it just breaks. The guitar rings out, which is a different choice. But again, it still had promise with the guitar ringing out. As if it was about to introduce maybe more of a, a pared-down B section. That would have been cool, too. So again, you have, like, one instance where they could have done something, leading into, alright, maybe not that, and another instance where you could have done something, well, they didn't do that, because instead, right here, he just screams out, the bass drum just pumps away, and then welcome to another chorus, same as the old chorus. I, <laughs> that's the problems that I really had with this track. It wasn't so much the lyrics here, which are just kind of there, I mean... You know, how many times can you just yell out, I walk alone? Well, apparently, several. <laughs> yeah. I think it's past several. I think it's it's like a bushel. Yeah. In any case, this is not so much of a um, travesty as I think is what about to come. I, I, I feel very, very negative on this album so far, and I, I don't mean to be so so down on it. I just, I am wanting so much more, and all of this just strikes me as dated. Well, I am, I'm basically, I have... I'm, I, the, the details that I describe when I go into the, into the, the, the theory here, and the little nuances, really just stem from the fact that I've heard it all before. There was perhaps a time in which this would have been introduced in a new and fresh fashion. That time was somewhere around the early 90s. Mid to late 90s. Mid to late, you sure? Yes, positive. Because there are moments on here where I detect things. Okay, that was maybe, there. but new metal and the like were more. Yeah, yeah, mid, you're right. Mid the, to late and 90s. the hard rock sense. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, I I do have good news. It's a good news, bad news situation. The good news is we're actually going to get away from from the heavy duty new uh, new metal with with the next track. The bad news is we go nowhere nice. So the be- <laughs> next track is a redneck freak show, and I'll take us into this track to start because again, I have a rant. Um, I recommend that if you're going to title a track and also make the repetitive, repetitive, repetitive two-line chorus not be insulting to a good chunk of this country. Now, some people identify positively as rednecks. Fine, so be it. That's great. Still, this song promotes nothing good. It's 
a tired trope that was pulled from pop of all places. It's a thing after 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 thing party song called Redneck Freak Show. That's an insulting shame of a song. It's wait. Let me boil. Let me boil that down for you. It's better. No, no, no. Wait, I have something. Don't boil it down. I want to boil it down. I, I, I'm gonna boil it down. It's, it's Kid Rock's Cowboy. Smeared with loud. No, no, you... Slathered with loud. You walked over my metaphor before I'm walking over yours. In this particular case, it is, this is what we do. And I forget exactly where we stumbled upon this before, but there was some, some point recently, in the last few weeks, we stumbled upon another party anthem which is essentially the same thing. Katy Perry. This is what we do. Now, you're right. It was Katy Perry. Yes. And immediately, the thing that came to mind there was Kesha. Well, because that and song was openly first... mocking Kesha. Well, that was more of a direct satire. And this particular case, it may very well be a satire in its own right, although I really doubt that in this particular case. Um, but I, I am, I'm dead serious on this. This is the redneck Kesha. And what I mean by this is what we do it's a matter of describing your party the same way you would with Instagram photos. Look at me when I'm, you know, just downing all this. I'm chugging a, a handle of vodka, you know. I'm doing shot after shot after shot. You know, look, I'm, far be it from me to disparage a party track. They all have their place, and they can be very rousing to the right audience. My issue with this is that it, it's just so bland, and it has no real hook that this track is never going to be in circulation, in which case it becomes kind of the most pointless party track to me because it's a party track that will never be heard. And then beyond that, there is your point also that it's, you know, the only thing distinct about it is that it's presenting the redneck party. Kesha was more of a, what we would probably know here in the East Coast in like the Five Boroughs metro area, Jersey Shore kind of culture. That was really her shtick. That's kind of what she portrays. And even there's been the the case made that she presents it in in a sort of satirical fashion. But I just don't see it here. The the lyrics are just so straightforward. Ball slide, blue light, stumble into daylight, pass out in no time. I'll give it some credit here. There's some there's some interesting. twists on on the the alliteration with these lyrics here and but then, then it, it just falls into and do it again hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah that's 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 that's, that's just the, the first okay verse. that's the tip of the iceberg the chorus is really where i find one of the worst <laughs> lyrics on the entire album the chorus is redneck freak show that's really the chorus no the chorus is is actually quite much quite a bit longer it just doesn't sound like a chorus in the beginning it's the live, wild free, free lifestyle in our veins. It might be crazy, but it keeps us sane. And I hate that line. I really hate that line. It might be crazy, but it keeps us sane. Oh my god, that's that's literally just throwing words out at this point. It's word association. Well, it's nothing more than that. I don't have as big of a problem with that line as you do for some reason. There's, there's, no, 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 it goes further. It goes there's a believability behind the line. I could see using it White trash. certain applications. White trash, cold beer. The party never stops here. That's how we roll in the Redneck Freak Show. See, that defines what I was describing before as the this is what we do. It's a, it's a bullet mark wait, list. Wait, wait, it's, it's even better. Fall down, get high, middle, middle finger, finger to in the, the sky. sky. We just invoked YOLO. That's how it goes in the Redneck Freak Show. I don't want to go to this freak show. This no, is I the really most don't. unenticing party this is... I've ever heard of. 
This is not, yeah, this is not why I go to parties. I go to parties to have fun. I go to parties to be social. I go to parties. And I'm not, you know, this yeah, is not... Yeah, but this, this song is not, this was is not, not written the, for our kind of party people. Fair enough. But still, I'm not coming that's, at this from a prude perspective. A party, even, look, even, the party does not have to exist for the sake of just screw it to the man. That's, that's old. No, most people will make parties, and I would, I would beg to differ that even the people that he's speaking to will make parties just because it's fun to have a party. This is, but this is, this isn't a party. This is the keg at the trailer park. I mean, there's nothing. You got plastic long chairs. And I'm, I'm not even saying I don't even relate to this a little bit. I went to college. I remember it. It was yeah, fun. I've had parties, but, but this is like when you're... <laughs> we party. We really do. We sound Yeah. Pretty. It's funny that we... we sound I would, whiter I would say and we, nerdier. I'm trying. I, I would say we sound white, even though I, I think this is uh, this it, is it directed quote, at, at white people. It quote, is, quote, white, white trash. trash. Cold beer. Yeah, this they is, could have just started saying curse, 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 and it would have been fitting. <laughs> it's, it's just... Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm already. St- I'm. St- I'm making myself slur. This is sheer ridiculousness. I refuse to talk about this track anymore. <laughs> nah, I gotta talk about the thing because you know we always. It's fine, it's all here. you. It's and the solo. Don't forget, don't forget, it's loud. It's also extremely loud, and I did not like. Yeah, at the same even seven level that you described that se- the whole entire 7. album. Seven point two. It's at a seven point two. Seven point two. Oh, all right, that's our dynamic shift. Seven to seven point two here. The solo. It had a cool moment where it kind of felt like it was unraveling, and I hone in on the solo because it is the only part of this song with any bit of, of self-character. It felt like it was kind of unraveling at a certain moment. It's, you know, it's a, it's a shredding guitar solo, it's got its, it's got its place, and it felt like it was almost kind of passing out, which actually is related to the theme. So if I, if I can hone in on any, piece, on any piece of music that actually fits the, the, the overall sound here, then I'm going to do it. Because, frankly, the general southern rock uh, backdrop here, which is it's, it's rather a switch up for this album, because we've been you know in uh, in more and more '90s hard core, sorry, excuse me, hard rock sound so far. This is definitely going back to something that's a little bit earlier. Most of this is, frankly, no different than it might have appeared back in the early days of Leonard Skinner. That's the overall feel here front to back and then we just have this one moment where we actually get the solo just as you would get out of that and frankly that's one of the reasons i go to 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 southern rock is for the solos where you look for something you look for at least just a shredding guitar solo where you can at least pull back and say wow that was awesome or i couldn't do that you know that kind of thing and this broached it a little bit especially in that unraveling perspective and then to boot it does actually echo the theme of the track because to sound like you're passing out is kind of like like the the song has has brought you to your breaking point and incidentally there was a, another moment at the very very end of this track with the outro which was probably another one of the most interesting parts where the guitar was rising up and this really felt like it was this was more of the breaking point the other part was the passing out this is the breaking point this kind of brings me back to that uh, Green Day Trey episode thirty-seven, where <laughs> he described uh, the the third installment of the Green Day trilogy as being the um, as being the epic portion of the party, which I I flat out will say, as I said back then, is is a very is a very overbearing and kind of um, pretentious, self pretentious, self glorifying thing to 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 call your work and you know the way this concludes 
is almost in a similar fashion, but at least it echoed it in a way that the Green Day Trey album did not live up to his own words, Billy Joe Armstrong's. So I'm giving it that point. Beyond that, this is easily my the worst song of the album for it's, me personally. Me too. Hands down. One of the worst songs I might be in running for worst song of the year, so we'll see about that. Yeah. There's nothing worse than a, than, a, than a party song that, that everyone... Doesn't make me wa- want to party. Everyone wants to turn off. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Choke. <laughs> Track seven. So... I was particularly impressed with the overuse of the metaphor in this song. I'm not getting there yet. No, you I'm, guys I'm getting skip there. over you... intros. Boy, I love my intros. Okay, I know, but they're the only part of this album that seems to really be worth talking about in a positive light. The intros? Yes. Well, yeah, let's talk about them. <laughs> I like getting about the positive stuff uh, out out first. And in this particular case, I'm, I'm isolating this. This is the best intro so far on this entire album. It's a clean bass intro. This time, not just an acoustic bass, or as you termed it, John, your your a courtesy acoustic track. No, this is just straight up bass. And the rhythm here was actually really, really kind of cool. The bass was in four four, just like the rest of the of the piece. But the notes fell in in between the beats, and with no gr- drums to guide you at this point, it's just the bass solo. And it probably felt more in was probably felt more in eight beats just to keep time for the sake of the, of the, uh, of the bassist, but it stands kind of elusive before the sanity of, of the drums that really step in. I say sanity because it really steps in kind of defines the piece. Up until then, you know, you would never sit there and really count out the, these, these four beats unless you had the framework of what you know will follow. So that brings me to the verse. This was another really cool extension of that intro. So again, this is not just fleeting choices. This was, uh, this was, this was development color guitar. More of a modern alt sound here. So for the first time I'm feeling this is not something that's stuck in the 90s or in our last case something that's stuck in the 70s. Uh, this is really more, I think, something that I could have found out of uh, the kind of color guitar that Coldplay might introduce. And any real alt pop band. The kind of sound that I really, really like in, in, in the backdrop. It, 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 it defines certain little beats. In this particular case, it steps in with these short little cross rhythm bits and what I mean by cross rhythm is that it's at a 5-4 ratio so if you were to overlay the overall 4-4 um, 4-4 time signature beneath this color guitar stepping in then the color guitar would appear at the 4th 16th note and then next it would appear at the 3rd 16th note and then the 2nd and if you line this all up it becomes a perfect 5-4 ratio with the last few of those uh, five four tapering off, and instead the harmonics step in. So now you have layering. You have harmonics that step in the left ear. So this was very even. This was this was this was a, the most pleasing intro. I'm surprised you guys have not noticed this. Actually, I found I this have. To be I musically. wrote down that it was oh. a good intro, and I've mentioned the intros on almost every song. He's the only one who's jumping to the lyrics. Okay. But All thank right. you for lumping me, lumping me together with Captain Knucklehead. <laughs> I promoted you. How you, you got to take that, John? How you got to take wa- it? I wanted to start talking about a song instead of Steve start talking about a song. I wanted to do something first. That's that's all. Okay, well, you this can do the wrap-up no. first. Choke actually had some of the... Oh, Even damn. still, at episode 98, we, we, we just won our own point first. I gotta tell you. Well, no. The, the, he wants his lyrics. Musically, honestly, musically, this was some of the most interesting work. And, and I think I was mostly starved musically at this point, but I kind of was getting into it. I was laughing at these lyrics, though. This was really an overblown metaphor. 
Every word was meant to permit, uh, present the idea of choking. It all came around, so swallow it down. Look who's laughing now. You can choke on every word you said, on every breath, until you're out of it. I don't care. You can choke on every lie you told and every word you spoke until you're out of it. I don't care. You can choke. You never learn. Now it's your turn. Suffocate by the truth. It's too late now, so you should shut your mouth. Karma had its way with you. It's... It just goes and goes and goes on the concept of choking on words. And it's... It, Not even that. just choking on words, but choking on your own lies. And I think that the metaphor of lies being something you can physically choke on is interesting if you focused more on the lie part and less on the choking part. That's a good point, actually. Like, if you focused on how she was a liar and, again, gave details about what she lied about... I wouldn't even care that. I wouldn't even care at that point. I would just like some imagination in these lyrics. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. Substance and imagination. No, not just substance. It doesn't even need substance. I wouldn't even need substance in this position. But try to just color this this is grayscale it is so straightforward i don't need to know why she should choke i don't even need to know the lies i would just like some red and yellow and green crayons on this really drab grayscale fridge painting i i think you're hitting upon the same problem that we had as early as uh she can sure hide crazy i mean yeah. this is the same problem you're not yeah. painting the picture you're telling the vague idea it has potential. There's definitely places you can go with that. You've, you've at least honed in on a human problem. Something that someone out there can identify with you for. And that's, that's the, probably what the best application that this, this style of music has. Um, not only for the fact that, that you guys said this brings you back to a very uh, nostalgia high school kind of thing. But this, you know, that's the time when, when kids are, are, are getting up there saying... You know, man, this this person really speaks to me. I'm going through this right now. This could be happening. This could be happening. In the case of this particular theme, and as early as the case of the She Can Sure Hide Crazy theme. So, make it... Paint... Use the brush stroke. I mean, it's, you're holding the brush. Don't, okay, don't, no, don't, don't just... I'm not expecting Van Gogh here, alright? But I'm, I really don't want bit paint at this point, all right? I, I'm th- I was thinking bit paint or either that, uh, what, what's the name of that? Pixel te- art? The, the text, um, you know. ASCII art. ASCII art, that's it. <laughs> yep. You're welcome. Yeah, this, it's just, I'm, look. Underscore, underscore, backslash. When it comes to <laughs> Saliva's work and other bands like them, I like the heavy guitar riffs. I like the drum and bass. But the reality is, I still need a little more than that. I need to connect emotionally. And that's the problem, is I don't really connect emotionally. There are vague hints of it here and there, but all in all, so far, there hasn't been much emotion. Yeah, emotion is the number one big problem here. Even though, frankly, from a musical standpoint, I feel like they had me in this particular track. In Choke, in the intro... It, it it is engaging me just from a musical standpoint maybe you know maybe it's nostalgia on my front uh, I I feel like I was reminded of 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 something maybe something a little bit more modern music that I was that I had grown up with personally more mid2000s oriented just because of that little color that was grown in that was thrown in there with the guitar but the chorus immediately steps away from that because as soon as the chorus steps in I, I it's like I'm back in hot topic or something and then it's it's 10 years prior it's 
very plain. I've heard it a million times, and it felt like one of those cut-and-paste kind of choruses that didn't need to be there, but, you know, slap them together if you have them. And that's what I was saying before. This actually is, like, the kind of the best music on the album at, at times, but it's just... It's I split down the away. middle, though. It's that it's that cut and paste <laughs> style. It's like it is if they had expanded on something that that really was related to that one thing. But the, the this is, yeah, I I it must have been a really really early podcast that I discussed this kind of problem because frankly we haven't had this problem with too many bands in a while. In most cases, there's been a, a, a fairly good marriage between the verses and the chorus. In this particular case, though, I it feels mechanical, and I think that takes me right back to the problem of 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 being. Um, somewhat emotionless is because I can I can detect that as we go from verse to chorus where even if I'm involved in the melody one minute if that melody doesn't seem to have much to do and I'm just talking about on the musical standpoint here just melodically if it doesn't seem to have much to do with the chorus melody or if the the breakout the the, the seriousness where all the instruments sort of combine and, and, and say something together if that doesn't feel like it's an impactful expansion on the previous thought then it's like i'm just thrown into another song i i i feel the i feel the production hand at work just placing things here and there because they kind of go maybe he's choking <laughs> i don't know i think the biggest, at this point i'm i'm searching i think also at this point to to nitpick about although i think we're nitpicking about the quality more than the structure but i got one more the, the, the fact that it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus on this album. I mean, at this point, it's barely a complaint anymore, only because it's beating a dead horse. It's This is how they write. They write verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's, that's their structure. Don't you get... That's not my issue. A verse, chorus... My, my complaint is that verse... Verses and choruses should blend in. So they should have something in common. But so far, this is... This is like an on-off switch. The verses may, or easily probably the best parts of this album, but the choruses are just some kind of generic turn-on switch where everything is just loud, right? There's no development there. There's no expansion. It's just you're soft one minute, and then you're just picking it up and trying to rouse your audience the next. But that alone does not quite do it for me. No issue with the verses and choruses themselves. You're sensitive. You're sensitive, but you're also passionate. Exactly. That opposite it's problem like, here. It's it's like you're sensitive. I mean, like the sensitivity is is very passionate. Although it's, interestingly, we do have mm. a, a a curious moment later in this track, after the second chorus, where we almost get the pared down B section that I was hoping for as early as uh, One Thousand Eyes, where I was I was expecting this kind of um this kind of B section as a result of that that muffled soundbite. But here, it, it, it sort of it uses the softer framework of the verses that I like to ring out, just kind of create a drone in the background. And then that fades into a more a light verse, or verse light. It's something that is, that is even more delicate than the verses themselves, which is a good direction to go, because typically they just make everything louder and more intense. It's actually nice to see them get softer and more delicate, more, more weak. Which is actually, again, kind of relates to the title here. It's called Choke. Things should kind of be be, be dwindling, you know, maybe not so as close to, uh, to, to death necessarily, but it's a nice direction to take this track. Either case, 
It does disappoint me a little bit on the first account by not staying there more than 10 seconds. Well, whoop de doo we're not, that's no stranger to us. But in the second count, we do get a solo here, which followed, and that was actually kind of different. The solo is not something I expected necessarily, because this is that moment where I expected to go straight back to the chorus, as they've done time and again so far on this album. Here, we get a solo instead. Not, not nice to make a pun, up. but they're actually starting to breathe their tracks. <laughs> I, the through, the choking, said, through the choking, yes. Specifically said not to make a pun. Yes, this is, like I said, musically, I had fun at parts. It was, there was something. It was enjoyable. I wanted more. They gave me a little bit more. For once, I got a little bit more. But... No, <laughs> yeah. I still detect a lot but, of attention deficit on this track and this album as a whole. There's it, so many butts. That's the whole thing. There's so many butts on this album. Too many butts. Too many butts in the dance floor. Okay. Another butt. Army. Track Next eight. track. All right. First off, we already talked about this track, guys. Guys, we already talked about this track. No, this we track really talked did about already it. Talk we about already talked about this track in track six. Except it Actually, has a different also, title. Also, in the last track, lyrically, this is the same exact thing as Choke. It takes the idea of you and what army and beats it as a dead horse and, and finds actually finds a horse, kills it, and then takes a stick and starts beating it. And then quality-wise and structure-wise, it's exactly like Redneck Freak Show. It's a thing song. Here's a thing. There's a thing. Here's a thing. There's a thing. There's a thing. A thing. 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 Yes, it, it's, it's it's the worst of both worlds. I just. I mean, I don't, it's not so what? much in the chronological uh, perspective like the previous. Well, then again, not that you can really make a, a party song uh, a chronology. So maybe that's the, an inappropriate word choice. But, but in, in this particular case, it's more like finding different ways to say the same thing. That brings in different facets of the party. Well, this is bringing in different, different facets of the... The, the way in which you can't stop him. You know, you can't knock me down, coming up no, again, no, no. you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, uh... He's ta- thinking... This, he's not even talking, because if he was talking to a guy, he'd be doing exactly what he's complaining about. The complaint is, stop running your mouth. He's running his mouth. The whole song is, is complaining about and doing the running of the mouth. Could be it's, ironic. No, it's not ironic. There's no irony. It's coincidental. <laughs> And oh, I love this best part. It's it's attitude toot toot toot. It's a lot of attitude. Everything's attitude. There's so much attitude. It's yeah, you had to go southern with full that, of didn't it. you? It's full of that attitude in the music, in the lyrics, in the composition. Everything, everything. I think it was pulling like a like an Alabama thing there. Attitude toot toot. But then again, it is in the same. The reason why we're comparing it uh, to track six, I think, is also because of the feel of the song. It has kind of a southern rock feel. So going taking the southern accent and this is actually not so far off um perhaps not so overbearing as redneck army also uh excuse me redneck freak show because that kind of gives it away in the title that you're getting more of a southern sound this eh, it's a little more clouded but it's it's the same heaviness the same pattern kind of you know bass drum snare bass drum snare bass drum snare much more of a march which again well that goes back to army you do have a lot of attitude, that's for sure. Probably more attitude than any other track in this album, um, and it kind of it kind of accelerates a little bit. You get that in the verse, and you get even more of it in the chorus. Uh, the chord changes here are a reason for that. They included, but were not limited to, more of that flat five jumping. Uh, 
did throw in a 7, which was kind of nice. It kind of coincided with a more bouncier vocal style. But, okay, no, no. And the, uh, but the, that's like getting a free car wash when you buy something on an infomercial. No, I don't get me wrong. I, I hate being the only, like, having these things being the only things that I have to look at. They're still very safe chord changes in the grand scheme. I'm just saying it wasn't at, entirely as stagnant as, as Redneck Freak Show. I'm, I'm bumping it up a little bit. Of an well, yeah, that's not all. They doubled our order. I mean, that's what you're getting with here. Yeah. No, but I'm I'm agreeing with Steve that at least when they doubled our order, they worked harder on the second one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like getting two double cheeseburgers at McDonald's, but the second one had onions and pickles. The uh, the um the artistic flip burger guy. <laughs> well, I mean, who's like ah let's let's put more. Like um, I don't want to be so harsh on saliva. I want to be clear that I mean the first listen I didn't. No, nah, yeah, the I record. don't want to turn this into a total pan here. Well, because it, it, the worst has been done. Yeah, but it, so much uh, better has also been done with the same exact. I think work. why we're so harsh on this is because at its at its best in places it's still average, and at its worst, it still kind of floats its way to average. Like it just. It doesn't do anything unique or indifferent enough to push it one way or the other. It just kind of bobbles like a weeble that wobbles and doesn't fall down in the middle area. Okay. As, I, as, I, I as, found a its metaphor worst... for my closing statements. Thank you. That you're, helped a lot. You're welcome. I'm uh, gonna save that. Um, but you know. Yeah, you're right. I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save the uh, the, the grand summations here. Let's just let's just break it down on on a, on a strict thing here. I I like going through the details here because the details when you add them up. There is definitely an amount that shows finesse. A little, a little bit of finesse. John's laughing right now because he can see that I'm like almost talking through my teeth at the moment here, and just to to That's like bring making out... a molehill out of crumbs. You know, you're not even close <laughs> to reaching the mountain, though. That's the whole thing. We're... What am I gonna do here? <laughs> just, just these are interesting. These are interesting things to note. They For instance, things. verse number two, and this is actually something that we were even laughing at earlier, but I'm gonna point it out anyway. It was something introduced that spiced it up a little bit more than the first verse, for instance. The first verse I, I, I described as just being sort of bass drum, bass drum snare, bass drum snare, you know, just one, two, three, four. It's such an even, even-handed march, you know, there's very little variety here. But then in verse two, you get a little bit more of a pickup, a little bit more of a jolt. Introduces a little bit of a, a 16th note just prior to the beat, which is cool. So you kind of get this feel like a 1, a 2, a 3, a 4. Give it a bit of an edge. A bit of a walking nature. Maybe a bit of a strut. So there's that going for it. Furthermore, verse 2B. Again, we're looking at another instance in which the verse kind of expands. So we're not purely on just verse chorus structure here. We have a second half of the verse, which kinds of move, move, kind of moves it forward a little bit. The melody here introduces even more attitude still, and lyrics combined with the melody bore your way out, out of your league. Kind of a pleasing moment of attitude. In general, the attitude is kind of, is kind of deterring in this track because I find over-attitude somewhat as an overcompensation, which is actually kind of true for most of this album so far. But you know what? Sometimes it gets you. Sometimes it does get stuck in your head. This part did. There you go. I mean, the cockiness he said. The cockiness also, I mean, lends to the way the track is supposed to be. John's right. It's a track about running your mouth and how you shouldn't run your mouth. And I think that the blindingly cocky attitude actually really supports the song in its style. That's what I'm saying. And so I'm on board with that. Um, I, I did enjoy it more than Redneck Freak Show. I hated Redneck Freak Show. So this song I did enjoy, ultimately. 
Um, I still said something also that you know they weren't quite able to uh, to achieve that until the third time round. I noted attitude in the verse. I noted a little more in the chorus, and then it took this this verse two B to sort of step it up into something that I was able to really acknowledge as certifiable attitude. Kind of belated, but it happened. Yeah, at least the bummer is with this track is that our following track is also a restatement. Oh, I have just one more thing here. Mm. You guys recall the transition or more bridge of, of Army where I actually start chanting in the background? Yes. Uh, I the whoa, to. the whoa, whoa, whoa. So I actually take a look back. This is this is one more step of, of attitude added in. But it was interesting that, that, you know, all of a sudden he has some kind of rousing uh, crowd behind him. It's his army. His army showed up. Uh, there you go. I see, I see there you go. Doing. I solved it. Yeah. Case closed. The only thing cool about this is that it was uh, accenting the upbeat. It's sort of like silent. Two, th- silent. Three, silent. Four, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're totally not impressed by that. I, me neither. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so back to what I was saying a second ago, because that was relevant, but not relevant. I mean, it was relevant, but didn't matter. I mean, it mattered, but never mind. The, um, the next track, nine, is close. Closer? Or closer? Closer. 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 So, A, it's not the Nine Snail song, Closer. That's way better. Um, this is <laughs> a, re- a almost complete restatement of what was the track? Of Lost. Hey, oh, look, Lost. another slow song. Not an entire restatement. And the way we were comparing Army to Red uh, to Redneck Freak Show, almost in that same vein. They're really two different tracks, even though they serve the same purpose in the album, just as being the softer <laughs> tracks. Right. They have but different my, characters. But I was making a point. I was getting to that. Even though it's very much a restatement in tone, which I was getting to, of the previous track, Lost, it's far emptier. My big thing about Lost is that I like the emotional connection. You had that loss, that confusion, that want, that that feeling of emptiness because you're lost. This just feels almost robotic. It's just not as heartfelt, that was the word, heartfelt as Lost was. Lost, you got a sense of the singer where he was coming from, where's this, the the singer, the narrator, whatever you want to call it, didn't really have that same emotion behind it. And that's what my biggest appointment with this song was. Coincidentally, the lyrics would actually fit the name Lost better than Closer. Because it speaks primarily of losing touch with someone you love, of being alone, of wishing, trying to get away from the person. Wishing you could be closer. Yeah, but it's only in it's only in that line in the chorus. It just brings me closer. That's the only thing that actually promotes the closer. <laughs> Everything else promotes the whole idea of being lost. It's a curious. Well, <laughs> I suppose the fact that you're finding uh, look interchangeable framework here is look no in, surprise. Look in my eyes, see your reflection. Picture your life without me. Hmm. Come on. I mean, I don't know. No, I see I it. Know. I see. It's not something I thought about a lot, and one reason for that is the fact that the this this was honestly the the the, the pinnacle of of nineteen nineties easy listening to me. This was first of all just any track that starts <clears throat> off with "Look in your eyes." I kind of groan a little bit. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'd miss you, babe. Oh, and I can't finish that statement because I think it goes over the five second limit. No. Oh, but that made me go back to men at work. Yeah. I can't fall asleep. I think about the implications of diving in too deep. 
can't finish it. No, can't finish it. That's the rule. FCC or ESPN or whoever tells us these things. That's all right. Here's the here's the big issue. I got a tape with with uh, closer. Lost actually hit some highs and some lows. Closer stayed so much more in the middle. It's alteration between the croonier parts and the higher energy parts, or the franticer parts. We're we're a lot closer together. An interesting comment about that though. For that reason, this may very well be my second favorite track on the album. Granted, Lost gets the highs and the lows, but the funny thing is there's a place for that, that, that creamy middle, and that's just what I described, 90s easy listening. Strange thing, I have often cited the, uh, the department store music reference as somewhat of a negative when I come across certain tracks. I don't think it's a negative here. I think it's actually kind of positive because in general this album has had such a static sound that one of the more striking pieces of music on this album should be a department store music back that's odd. But there's it doesn't an say a I lot. Can, but I, but it's soothing. Uh, 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 this uh, actually has a uh, soothing uh, effect on me. I'm serious. No, but it belongs in two different department stores. Oh, your right, because are, of the split Your verses between, are in Macy's, yeah. your choruses are in Hot Topic. I mean... Surprise, surprise, we th- get that That again. was the biggest disappointment for me. Is Remember that moment in Matchbox 20 all those ages ago where they started the very slower acoustic track and we thought they were going to ruin it, and then it actually... Matchbox bet- 20, episode 11. Yeah, when we ended up getting that track we wanted. We thought we were going to be disappointed, but they actually followed through with the impression and the direction that we thought the song should go. That's not the case here. Starts slow and then goes into that very passionate, loud, annoying at this point chorus. Now this time I'm not even sugarcoating. This chorus was straight up divorced yeah. from from the from the verse, and we haven't we haven't said that in a, in a long time in many many episodes. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. Most of the time we actually find some way to put them together, but in this case, you're talking to two different clientels. You're this talking is straight to up, two different songs. Straight here. up cut and pasting. I, I may have said it earlier and, 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 and been quick to the trigger with it, but this is this is really yeah, I, I it's it's two songs. Fun fun fact. Army and Closer were both the deluxe songs that made it onto the actual album when released. Huh. So these were the songs recorded as this new band? These were the ones that were specifically the deluxe bonus songs from the original In It To Win It album. That definitely would not affect my decision in this case. That was case. super no. secret and nobody knew yeah, except but, for Ultra I mean, fans. Still, they're, they're... Oh, I'm just saying. Yeah. And now we go to the original. No, he does put some emotion, though, into this track, though. And even if that emotion finds its way through in, in easy 90s listening department store atmosphere, something that you can shop to and not be distracted from your shopping by, still, you will be soothed as a result if you're just listening to the verses. He does put emotion into it. Not that he's emotionless in other tracks. I think he's a very passionate singer, but I think the music just suffers by not representing that well enough, I think. And I'm going to say something that you usually say in this exact situation. But I can get this better somewhere else. Like, great, they're doing oh, this, yeah, and it fits totally. that field. It fits but the niche, yeah. I, if I want saliva to be loud and raucous and rock, because that's what I go to them for. This, <coughs> I've heard better elsewhere. Yeah, but both of it is, is the same. They're, they're equivalent in, my, in this, because the loud and raucous I can go and get better, and, and the sure. light and airy I can get better. But at least the light and airy isn't so overbearing that I'm... I'm I'm eye-rolling the entire time. You know, that kind of... That's that's my principle that I, I think still steps this up to my second... Well, 
Eh, I can't, I'm not even sure I can say second favorite. I think it's very hard for me to pick a second favorite in this track. Um, on this album, excuse me. But, um, one more thing about this. The wrap-up. Yeah, what am I kidding? I would definitely not call this my second favorite track, because the, the end falls back in the same exact problems as earlier on. That whole... This is like a culmination of all the problems, in fact. You have re divorced sections, and you have no expansion of, of, of the positive sides of it, and then, last but not least, the same problem as earlier. This is the case where you're moving through sections at breakneck speed. The bridge comes, which is just kind of bleh, same character as as the rest of the trower, same character as the um, as the chorus specifically, more drums maybe. Solo steps in, again, kind of an 80s guitar solo, nothing that's kind of wowing you. And then right after that, you get this sort of acoustic transition for just five seconds. And then you get the chorus again, and at the very, very end, and this, this was just almost infuriating, it repeats the final line of the song. Closer, I just want to be closer, or excuse me, it just brings me closer to you. And that's the very last line, which sounded kind of muffled, and it's just as if to really echo and hammer this point home anymore. Didn't need it to be done. That was, again, this is something I would really define as manufactured. Soulless. Just soulless. I, I'm leaving this track on that note. Fine. Let's move on to track 10. This is the previous iteration of this album's <clears throat> title track. In it to win it. Okay. First of all, back to titles and phrases that don't mean anything. Being in it to win it. Very vague, doesn't mean anything. What are we trying to win? Is this someone's heart? Is this a contest? Is it Battle of the Bands? Well, I mean, it's just, and I don't know if the song lyrics flush it out, because at this point I was starting to tune out a bit, but I just feel like if you're going to create a song that's supposed to impact emotionally, or impact at all, besides just being something heavy to bang your head to, which something sometimes all people want is that, but if you're looking to connect on a greater emotional level, you need more to connect with. We can connect with vague themes, and some artistic tracks can be so vague that you can connect with them because they're so ethereal that you can just kind of get lost in. But this isn't that case. It's bland storytelling and lyric writing that kind of leaves you wanting and confused. There's This song goes even further in that being in it to win it, the whole concept of the choruses, this person is in it. And it's, they're being told to get into it, even though they are deeply in it and getting their ass handed to them. Yet they're not yet in it. I, I, it's, it's, it's confusing. It actually is confusing. You got to be in it to win it. When it's kicking your ass, are you kicking it back? You got to get in it to win it. Are you going to bitch out or never back down? I get knocked down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is that, that again. I mean... And and then it has one of my roused. one of my most tropey of, of lines. Are you gonna quit now and hide your scars? The pain, the proof of who you are? You've come so far. Wait, what? Scars in life build character. That's what it told me. Go figure. I knew that. I got plenty of scars. I got character. Thank you. Funny yeah, that a song yeah. singing about a character without any. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of strange, and I take your point on that. That it and took, that it. It took That's three. The whole thing. It took you, three you lines. Have scars. Three you have scars. That means you've been in it. Well, your point that means is you don't have to get into it. As I'm saying, you might, your point is that it took three lines to basically explain you, explain to you what scars mean in metaphorical context. Meanwhile, which you in say, any other song you could have just said scars and left it at that, and not treat 
treat your audience like like morons. That, that, which is another big problem that I have with music. And frankly, I don't see that in a lot. I mean, in general, artists, it's more common that artists will go the other direction and they'll, they'll, be, they'll be sort of wrapped in their own in their own stream of consciousness, sort of saying these, these ethereal lines that don't quite... They're actually almost hard to read into because you're trying so, far, so hard to get into their mind because they're such personal lyrics that you have to strain to infer meaning. No, explana- no explanation is going to be handed to you. In this particular case, it is explained, and that's what takes away the, the personal touch to me. Because it doesn't strike me that it came out of a journal. It strikes me as if it was intentionally uh, constructed so that it can be conveyed. Wait, wait. It gets better. It becomes self-contradictory. <laughs> You're I would, too much fun wait, with this. Wait, I would give it all up. You can't turn and run. If you don't take a chance, you'll never get one when it's over and done. This is starting to read like Dr. Seuss ran out of the English language. Uh, yeah, just... another, another particular one that kind of bothered me was just just the, um, the audible effect of, of having a, a vocalist sort of reiterate when it's kicking your ass. When it's kicking your ass. Are you kicking are it you back? Are you kicking it back? Like it, I am. I don't know. This didn't happen. I am, like, in fact, kicking it back. It, it, this was tantamount to a laugh at this point. I mean, I don't mean to be so mean here. That's why I'm going to get off on other things. In general, I try to, I'm, I'm not so literally oriented anyway, so a lot of times I could just I could just overlook this the, if only the music wasn't offering me too much else. But unfortunately, we, we cover all all sides of the coin here at Crash Chords, so... No, no element is going to get left unsaid. And speaking of which, let's go over to the music. We haven't said anything about the style of this track here. This was more of a legit metal, I thought. More of a, a twang of new metal, I think. Had kind of a Rage Against the Machine vibe to me. And I, I, I'll be the first to say that the pre-chorus specifically, the guitar in the pre-chorus, felt almost lifted from uh, Help Me Out, Matt. What was the name of the... Wake, Wake Up by Wake up. Rage Against the Machine. Wake Up, that's like the quintessential track that everybody knows by uh, Rage Against the Machine. From the Matrix. Yeah, we might know it from the Matrix. So... Actually, no. Well, it's from the Matrix, but the song was out long before the Matrix was. Yes. Oh, yeah. You said 1990, right? Something like that, yeah. And, you know, I think that's why I, I've been subconsciously saying uh, the early 90s this entire time, because when I heard this track, I, when elements slip into this album, such as you would find in this particular track, then... It, does, it is kind of all around the 90s. Some the only... stuff is late 90s, some is mid, some is early. In this case, it's early. It's not just that. There's so, there's a lot of elements that really feel transplanted from Wake Up. Um, the guitar the stru- riff, mostly, is what really comes the, across. Yeah, but the structure of the chorus seems extremely familiar. The structure of the introduction, of the actual intro of the song, feels extremely familiar to Wake Up. It, it's like they lifted it and then kind of just like reshaped sections of it by pulling and pushing the sound file. Yeah. It was really bad that way. They yeah. took out the soul. <laughs> and then beyond that, there's also the underlying chord changes here. The This is the same problem as earlier on this album where um, he's just sort of throwing the tritone around like a basketball. It loses all meaning when it comprises your entire track. Granted, this is not to uh, go for any kind of... Uh, sexual oriented, but you know, the tritone is, can still be versatile. In either case, you have to use it in sort of a versatile way. This, I, I, I think front to back, this was really just rocking between home and tritone, home and tritone. I don't really recall very much variation beyond that, or at least that embodied the, the greater character of this track, and I don't know. I just, 
it's weak in the end. So then, you know, you go over to the lyrics and you hope to get something there, and it's, it's still kind of weak. In general, it boils down to it's been done. It's been done better 24 years ago. Yeah, that's a good way to sum it up. Um, so now we'll move on to track 11. I hate to sound so morose at this point, but the theme and the sound of the album has gotten really repetitive at this point. Again, I didn't really hate the record. It's just I'm at a point where I've kind of had enough of the same thing and I want something a little different. And to be clear, it sounds like we're winding down. Really not. I'm being very... Uh, treating most of these tracks as if they were new, and that's very, very... Uh, appropriate for this particular track right here. The Enemy was a track that I was able to sort of turn off my my um, my, we- my weariness, my disdain at the at the 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 chronology of this of this album so far, and kind of get back into the mix. And especially when you when you shuffle around songs, or if you're shuffling around songs, and this 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 track has has definite merit. I uh, this is another one where the premise was just great right off the bat. So far, this this album has has plenty of that much darker tonality that specifically reminded me of Interpol, uh, the kind of stuff that they used to do in their sort of uh, post punk indie kind of way. But Not so much chords as intervals here. I got to point that out. That's what made it so dark. The ba- it's just the bass line and the guitar melody. Not a lot you can do with just those two elements. And what you're looking at is minor one, major three, major four, major six. That kind of a feel to it. But again, not so much chords, just the intervals of like the fourth interval, a C sharp and an F sharp, down to more of a tense major seventh, an E and a D sharp. It's the exact opposite effect as before in, in track two, She Can Sure Hide Crazy, which instead of raising to some raising yourself up to some open and satisfying uh, interval, it's lowering you to something that's, that's, that's more tense and very defeated. Love that. Interpol used to make great use of that effect. Yet at the same time, it, it's it's still a little bit too heavy in the energy to to go along with what they're trying to present here. It's talking about trying to deal with someone who was hurt before and is projecting that rage upon you, which is pretty freaking deep. That is actually a really great concept. It just... It's not coming off as deep. It's coming off at the same energy level. It's coming off at that same 7 on the Richter scale. It's not really a downer, which would have fit this perfectly, and it could have kept that newish metal vibe going on, but it's not that high energy that could be associated with the anger associated with this. It's stuck in between. No, and that's just why I really want to want to highlight this track and highlight its perks because of the fact that it's very easy, especially at this stage in the album, to gloss over because of the fact that you may be war-weary by this time. I mean, let's face it, it is it is a chronological art form. You, you sit down and listen to the album, and this, sometimes even with albums that I enjoy, sometimes by the time I get to the end, I'm a little bit like, eh, come on, let's wrap up. It depends. It really takes a, a very masterful artist to just keep you engaged 100% and, 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 and exhibit something as an art form. So especially in this particular case where you're kind of just trudging along song after song and you're at this even seven, just like John said, the entire time <laughs> where this, 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 this concept of just you're not going for the whole top, but you're definitely louder than average. You're trying to be energetic, but it's the same level of energy front to back that is not absent in this track. That's the same level of energy right here. 
which is very makes it very easy to overlook these positive things that I'm describing. This this intro is 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 really phenomenal and probably one of the one of the best uh, darker tonality intros on the album. I love that whole one three four six feel. That's not something I can readily identify in uh in in any song off the top of my head. Even though I I vaguely recognize it from Interpol. It's 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 um it's interesting. It's it's got good lyrics. Well, and what I, I, not great, but good. What I'd also say about the song is structure-wise, even though it, of course, like everything else, follows a very fairly rigid verse-chorus structure, it does at least follow the classic pop, uh, pop rock structure and is very singable. The chorus has a lot of power and energy bef- behind it when he sings the lines, uh, I'm not the enemy. And it, there's a passion conveyed behind it, an emotionality that's attached to it that's fairly engaging. And that's where... If you focus on the lyrics, which are better than some of the other lyrics on the album, I you can get like the second verse. You can get really into it. And this also had a breakdown, which really expanded upon upon the verse. I thought um, the line again, "I can't talk to you." That may have been it. Yeah, that was after the second repetition of the chorus, right before they go into the third. It's that single line. I'm not the enemy. Bit of a pause. I can't talk to you. I think that's the moment. Yeah, that that right there was. Probably more effective than half of the lyrics on this entire album. That one line. Yeah, the more I think about this, uh, th- this might be more of a contender for my favorite track, especially considering that, you know, as much as I might uh, like this, enjoy the song Lost on, on a superficial level, it disappointed me. It disappointed me in many cases. This may have been one of the, one of the only cases on the album where, where it didn't fall back to the same trouble. I think there's only one moment on this track that I really didn't like, and that was the the whoa whoa whoa's you know the, yes. the typical pop yes. uh, trope of, of woes to <laughs> but but to just even bring so, it home even somehow so, that steady level of energy really did hurt the lyrics themselves I, no yeah that listen, alone that, that's a, that's the other listen big flaw that's what i'm saying lay your armor down come into the light can hide forever with his shadow by your side i wish i would have known i'd always be the one buried in the wreckage from a past you can't outrun that that's solid. That's that is a solid, solid verse. That really is. It's easily my favorite part of the entire album lyrically. But it's just it loses so much impact with what it's actually with, which is kind of good music comparatively. Buried in the wreckage from past you can't outrun. That's a very very creative metaphor for it also. Uh, yeah, it's 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 strange, you know, how you can slip in and songs. out of you can slip in and out of, uh, of, of, of inspiration so easily. Um, it's at it's the same two time, good songs that shouldn't have been together. That's what I'm really getting at here. Well, slipping in and out of inspiration, of course, doesn't always mean that it's not going to be used in the end. You can have something that might be, you know, kind of just, you know, you threw it out there. It's there. It's sitting somewhere in the back of your, of your idea book. In the end, if you're putting together an album, sometimes you just go ahead and use it. But I feel like in many of those cases, it's going to come across that, uh, that that was such the case. But this is clearly not one of those instances. You, this is the moment of genius. So, yeah, I, I, that might actually bump the enemy up to one of my favorite tracks. It's, um, it's, it's, it, it has different positives than, than, and different and negatives. And a lot of than, other stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> balance it out in the end. Save Literally. that for the wrap-up. Let's go they move did, on. They did something different. They did something different. There you go. I don't want it. Final track. That's not just the name. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. 
I'm done with the intros not going anywhere. I like that they try something new in a lot of the intros. Oh, no, no, no. But stop. I'm not done. This intro pissed me off. Because, and I really like, have a like for the album. I mean, musically, I was, I ebbed and flowed with it. But this intro, you get one damn second of something interesting. And then it just goes into the heavy rock riffs. I like heavy rock riffs. I like headbanging. I like this kind of music. I still do. But if you're going to introduce something interesting, do something with it or don't do it at all. Doing it for one second, it doesn't make any sense. None. It just, musically, this intro made no sense. Maybe Steve will find some sense in it and explain it. But to me, this (coughs) intro made zero sense to me. And it really aggravated me. It's not that I I would find the sense, but it it is funny how... uh taking a page from my book and in, in, in honing in on that one little thing and you'd be like oh that one little thing even if it's just like one note one little harmony just as I've done earlier on this album I'd be like I gotta point it out it's great but it's so fleeting in the end so yeah you're definitely taking a page from my book I, I've never I, this is actually a case where I wouldn't even think wouldn't have thought to reference that particular intro until you pointed out to me on, on, our, on our, our group listen um, because prior to that I didn't notice it, 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 strike, it it's almost presented just as a a production quirk you know like the the sound engineer stepped in and said eh, i don't like the first note of this song let's just introduce it in in sort of a semi-colorful way but not go too far with it so this one second of bleh, and there we are it's just strange that you happen to uh to sort of hone in on that but that's something to be said you know if that's the most powerful thing you've got and then right after that you're thrown into same old thing same old same old distorted guitar heavy even seven oh as we're calling it then yeah that, that i mean that's the biggest that says something about your work that's big the biggest problem with this final track i don't have anything to really say about it because it just felt like everything else we had heard before in a sense like what we had talked about last week with chad vangelin's final track kind of being a, a culmination of all the stuff we'd heard previously but not even the highlights of it i'd say the same for this in an even more negative way this song felt like a, a highlight reel of the entire record but not in a complimentary way as a conclusionary track it didn't feel very final it didn't feel cyclical either it just felt there it felt like this track could be replaced with almost any other track in fact the slower ones might have made a better finale i don't know it's it's just at this point it's hard to say I I hate to sound so negative about it, and ultimately, there is a lot about this album I did enjoy, but a lot of those things that I did enjoy were still very samey and very much the same thing in every song. There is no uniqueness to enjoy beyond the stuff that Steve mentioned. A lot of the other enjoyment just came from nostalgia and a sound that was familiar to me. There was a slightly dissonant guitar wail. (laughs) that I liked. <laughs> Thanks, he Steve. does a great job of explaining that he does not, in fact, want it or need it. I did, I did, I did made no attempt to, uh, to provide a segue on that. <laughs> yeah, and this song also lyrically, yeah, there's I don't want it, I don't need it. What don't you want? What don't you need? Who the hell knows? I don't need it, just give me back my life. Get me through another night. I don't want it. I don't need it. See, right there, you're, you're mixing negatives and positives and not putting enough spacing and punctuation in your choruses, so I'm not quite sure if you actually want it or not. Your life, I mean, or whatever it is that you're searching for or not searching for because it's getting a little confusing. Why don't you let go of the goddamn stone that's dragging you down to the bottom? 
Because you're saying you're holding on to somebody else's stone. It says it right there. The guilt you still carry will sink me like a stone. Why are you sinking from their guilt? Okay, that's provocative. That's an intriguing point. Yeah. Actually, no, I wasn't trying to make a point. I'm making fun of it at this point because I think they're falling into this by mistake. It's an accident. Mm. They missed a pronoun or something. I don't get it. No, I, 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 no, I see exactly what you're saying. I see what you're honing in on here. But, no, you're right. It's not as much that it's, that it's an accident, but that that is a, is a facet of what they're doing. And it's not... It's not... Um, it's not the core of what they're doing, but it's just strange that in, in your case you noted the facet to be more interested, inter- interesting than the whole. Would I that be understand. an accurate way of saying it? Yeah. Mostly, I'm still trying to figure out why cold, dark memories are frozen from the inside. Why aren't they frozen from the outside? I know because it's a memory. If it's frozen from the inside, that's that's, that's still an, uh, 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 an evocative. Uh... I, I, I want to know what that means. I really do. No, no, I mean, I'm fro- frozen from the inside. It can never really be frozen from the inside. Since we're walking the John route right here, think about that concept. Nothing can be frozen from the inside, because that implies that you are, unless you are born with the fault, but most of us acknowledge that every personality fault that we, we attribute to ourselves always is, is, uh, is built. It's nurtured. It's never nature. It's something that is, is, is a product of your lifestyle and, and the person you became in your formative years and whatnot, in which case it would always be from the outside in, never the inside out. So him saying from the inside is as if he, he attributes it to some kind of fault of nature, which is interesting, but, but it's, um, it, it, it's a presentation of delusion. Anyway, I'm not walking down this route. It, it's an okay song. Mostly, <laughs> mostly they can't decide if, if, if what he doesn't want or need is either an outside force being imposed upon him or an interior force that he created himself. It's not clear which one it is. In fact, it's both. But it doesn't approach either of them very well. So, there. Sure. Who's going first? I'll go first. The wrap-ups. All right. We said already. I said everything I needed to say. It's a 2.5. It's a solid 2.5. It's almost good enough to be mediocre. Mostly because I think I'm at the point in my life that I'm really nitpicky about just everything. There was nothing here, and I mean absolutely nothing here, that was actually intriguing. Like, that, that captured me and brought me in. The best song really is The Enemy, but it's two really mediocre to good songs that are slown on top of each other because neither of them really works with the other. <laughs> it's, it's a, there's a severe instances of like, oh, and then it's pure disappointment after that, before that, all around it. Most of these things are not like the other. It's like Most they of these took, things just do not belong. It's like they took the best or worst of the 1990s and made an album out of it. All the alt-rock, the new metal, the punk-ish light, post-punk, I don't know. Everything. Well, it's still a niche, it's, though. It's, it's that whole thing from the 90s. It's the entire soundtrack of the 90s as an album. It's not that broad. I mean, frankly, no. what we heard from Neil no, Cicero was more mean, broad than that. But I mean, like... In the new metal genre. In the, in the hardish metal. core genre. It's even nichier, though. I think it's a very narrow morsel of the 90s. I, I'm only going to argue in that. It's hard rock-ish. 
Menomphalus—it's just so weak. It's a narrow so morsel. It's a narrow morsel of a portion of the '90s that evolved and evolved a long time ago. And the whole thing is, it's not actually offensive. I don't hate at it. So I can't really rate it much later. It's just such a non-entity to me. Yeah, but as I recall, uh, not to interrupt you, but as I recall, we had a discussion. Oh, well, unfortunately, I don't, I don't remember all of our our episode numbers for every discussion, per se. But we did have a discussion on what epi- on what the zero rating would be. And I know none of us are going as low as zero. Well, no, but that that's the only t- that would never that, be made. That was the only time that you referred to where you would actually mem- uh, reference something that is that is offensive or, or the kind of thing that, that, that actually hurts people from a an, in a fundamental way yeah in, this, in a non-artistic setting this which this, this comes nowhere near this is just music I'm, is, I'm just it noting is like the definition of like this is introduct introductory music i'm just There's noting that you felt the need to say it's not offensive and that's yeah. your defense <laughs> here's a recorder learn music like it's so basic it's high school maybe junior high Going into this album, I really wanted to like it from a nostalgia perspective. Um, and after today, spending time with Every Six Seconds, the first Saliva record I ever owned, even though they actually had a record before that one, um, that I stand corrected from earlier. Um, it just, and it's, I don't even think that it's Josie Scott being missing that's the problem. See, I liked his style, but it didn't make or break the band per se. I think I'm at a point where, because I look at music so analytically, even from an emotional perspective, that if I don't connect enough, it's just, there's not enough there for me. We talked most of these tracks to death with what details we could pluck out. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted to like it more. I actually liked it more on the first listen, but as things tend to do with subsequent listens, you get a better honed idea of where your taste lies. Um, I, I mean, I agree with John, it's not offensive. Um, and again, it being offensive in some way or another, or at least shocking, might have added value or taken value away. It's hard to say. Um, I, I enjoyed it the first time. The second and third time, I didn't enjoy it as much. There are moments that I liked. I, I'll take the Steve approach. I enjoyed moments, but overall, it just wasn't there for me. I agree with John. It's a 2.5. It's almost average. Um, it's not awful. It's not worse than the worst album we've ever heard it's not better it's a little bit better than the worst albums we've ever heard um but it's just not the saliva i'm used to and that i know and love and that said though if you like generic new metal or generic hard rock you might be very into this and honestly i totally get that i do but as someone who looks at music more analytically it's harder for me to just blatantly enjoy a thing that's only a little less than okay you know, I mean, that said, I may go back to it and listen to it more anyway. I mean, I've been listening to Katy Perry, actually, since we reviewed it. I still get some enjoyment out of it, but I think as a whole, this album, I just didn't enjoy as much as I wanted to. So it's a 2-5 for me as well. I think I've been one of the one of the harsher ones here. Eh, then again, you, you, also, guys, you guys You're also picking it. out the most stuff to be proud of here as well. I am, because frankly, when it comes to an album like this... It, it is very outside my tastes. It was outside my tastes in high school. I, I found this this style of music to be contrived circa 2002. So it is a big groan for me just coming from uh, just coming from my personal history with music. Um, 
what I mean by contrived is the real meaning. It seems like it's put together based on, on a set framework. I've heard so many bands that kind of sound exactly like this. Granted, they shuffle things up just a little bit. I mean things like, oh, they put their solo before their breakdown, or, or they put their bridge between the verse and the chorus, or, or this time they put it between the, the chorus and the verse, you know, or their solo was a little bit longer or had different character unto itself. This is about the level of variety that I've found between bands amidst this genre. It's not disparaging the genre. I think it has a place. I think that when it comes to to a live setting, I actually think it, it, it has that's where it's that's where it's best. I, I've been at shows, uh, especially when I was back in high school. I think these were some of the only local bands that I could uh, manage to get to because you know when you're a local Staten Islander and uh, and the city is still somewhat of a faraway place, then you know you make uh, you make do with what you have. And there, there was quite a big scene going around on Staten Island that, that had this kind of music. So Every yeah, but I, my my knowledge of this of this music is actually local bands from the get-go some of them did it better i gotta say that makes me a little it makes me a little angry just a bit um but then again i have heard uh samples of this band's earlier work uh as per matt and john here and i do believe there was something there to their earlier stuff there was also more of a defense there back in their earlier work because of the fact that it was newer you know you can only call something contrived when it's manufactured to the point of achieving an existing framework. If there's no precedent for the framework, then it can't be manufactured. Then it's just pure inspiration, as it was then. Fast forward this many years, it's not what it is anymore. There's been so much development in that genre. It's spawned probably like 17 other genres since then, each one better than the next. In many cases, each one better than the next. Because many artists felt the same thing. There's only so many places we can go with this. So these guys, I I see a, I, I see an album of stagnancy right here. And even in the moments where it 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 gets its most uh, emotional, I use that word loosely. It's it's working within a framework that still has been done to death. I, I think the 2.5, personally, for you guys, is, is, a, is a luxurious rating for this album. It may have more on a moment-by-moment on, on moment perspective, just because there is more, there's more stuff going on. You know, some of the stuff that we rated really low, like, for instance, uh, The Green Days and Deep Chord, it was a thin album. It was just by lack of content, lack of notes. Which is a really, you know, kind of a, a, a childish way to rate something, but it, it, was, it was valid in those instances where there just wasn't much else there. I, I, I'm lowering this... I, I, for that exact reason, I simply can't go below a 2, but this is an exact 2. This is where Linkin Park was. This is where I think I put uh, a couple of other bands that just were not breaking free of anything. This is... It's a solid 2. I'd be almost inclined to dip below a 1... Uh, just by virtue of there not being any song in this album that wowed me or or even made me feel much of anything. It only gave me impressions of what I once liked. Yeah. My it's, a, it's, it's a C minus. My overall rating, um, <laughs> I realize that the uh, buy it, listen to it, burn it scale is a little 
shallow. Well, it was shallow anyway. But I'm adding a section for albums like this where I feel burning it is way too harsh. So the new scale is... Don't you remember? It was buy it, burn it, listen to it, burn it, because of the two meanings of burn it. Uh, yes. No, th- this one, I'm adding a a section. So it's buy it, listen to it, look at it, burn it. This is all look at it. You'll know it when you see it. And yeah, it's a flaming You'll know cover. exactly what it you is. You might get more enjoyment out of looking at it than listening to it. That said, if you're a fan, look. if you're a fan of new metal or hard rock, you may enjoy this. I mean, um, my impression, as far as I know, is when Kristen told me about it, she really liked the album. That said, she might have found an enjoyment in just being nostalgic, which is a valid enjoyment. And there are plenty of albums that I would defend that quality-wise may not be the greatest that I liked because I had a nostalgic attachment to the sound. That said, this gets the overall rating of Look At It. It's not really worth listening to unless you're a diehard fan of the genre. I like the Look At It rating that's that's very appropriate because some things you'll just know by the cover you'll know by the name itself you know what they do you know what they've done in the past <coughs> and as long as you have one person to come along and say it's the same stuff then they'll know yeah. they'll know right there based on their prior knowledge um that said though with the wrap up before we get into the our topic of the day i do want to thank Kristen for bringing us this recommendation we do appreciate all recommendations sorry um sorry we didn't enjoy it as much <laughs> as you did but that's goes back to what I've been saying since episode one. We don't all listen to it the same. Glad you enjoyed it, and thank you for recommending it. And please send us more recommendations if you have any. And also feel free to comment. I would love to... We are only three people. Three people in a sea of, of listeners who all have on their own valid opinions. I would love to hear some defenses for this album. Not necessarily to be refuted in text. I just I, I would be very interested to see what, what some of the, uh, the perks are. Because we don't have that person here to, to argue the point present. And that's just by virtue of coincidence, I think. Yeah. And the, the fact that we, we, we can't. <laughs> so, thank you again for the recommendation. I'm happy to say that we also have some other recommendations in the queue. I'm not sure when we'll get to them. But uh, before we get into the discussion, I do want to quickly thank David, a.k.a. Dr. Batman, for suggesting a Tom Waits record that we will hopefully get to soon. And also, former writer for the website, maybe future writer again for the website, Joe Moo, for recommending a Everclear They Covered Themselves album called um, In Another Light. So we'll get to those when we can. We're trying to fit them in as we go. Um, last week, we started talking a bit, by virtue of just how Steve viewed last week's album, is how personal attachment to a specific artist can influence how much we like something and sway our opinion on how we review things sometimes. That also led me to want to talk about today how music growing up, or even now, inspires and innovates what we do, both musically and not musically. Because I, as not a musician who only has a very basic understanding of guitar chords, looking to learn more, but I don't really play an instrument. Well, that's why you got me here, you yeah? know? Yeah. Right. Um, take takes from music something else very differently. It's obvious that I've mentioned many a time I use uh, music to get through things emotionally. I mean, on a day-to-day basis, listening to music takes me through emotional waves, if you will. Um, but they also inspire me to write to do things. If I find an album I really like, it inspires me to write about it. It's where the so- the idea of the song shot on the website came from. It was originally a song that I was just obsessed, obsessed with that just kind of got stuck in my head. So I wrote a little about it and threw up the video, you know? It was kind of the inspiration for everything we're doing right this moment. I mean, I created the... innate the... desire to share whatever is going on in your head right at that moment. Well, essentially... Songs, they... 
Well, crash, it's a powerful thing. It's, it's something start, that's very start. difficult no, no. to share, and that's why I'm very thankful we have this outlet right here, because uh, very often it's, it's difficult to sort of convey to someone else the, the, the exact thing that's going through your mind at that point. Well, and, and the fact that Crash Chords exists because of my love of music that I instilled from my father, which I mentioned on the website this week, if you checked it out on Father's Day on the Facebook page, my love of music inspired me through the nudging of my then-girlfriend Mary, who had started a blog of her own, you like music, you should write about it, start a blog. And I did. And for a while I tinkered. It sat stagnant for months because I couldn't think of stuff to write. But I came back to it and started writing pretty regularly. Next thing I knew, I had friends who wanted to help me write too. Next thing I know, I spoke to two of my obnoxious friends who liked talking about music at length as well. <laughs> and we came up with the idea of a podcast. All this stuff was influenced just purely by my love of music and how I take my love of music and my music nerdery to the next level. And because you were able to find jerks like us with the gift of gab yeah pretty much yeah. I, I have actually viewed music on a slightly skewed layer I think of it more as a as a, as a tool not as a, a this or that or anything an emotional outlet or all the ways you just described I view it as sort of a tool it's something I use as opposed to something that I really let it use me which seems to be where you're coming from if I want to be one way, or if I want to be inspired one way, I listen to a certain style of music or a certain group of music. If I want to enjoy driving, I listen to classical or techno. If I want to enjoy writing, I tend to rely on a lot of my early punk and, and uh, alternative rock. If I want to be nostalgic, I listen to classic rock. It's what I do with it. It's an interesting perspective that instead of being inspired, inspired by, by it, music, you, you let... You it's you use the music as a tool to affect your mood, like flipping a switch. Like if you want to feel, if you want to write a depressing article, you'll listen to some depressing music and See, it'll that's, inspire you. That's interesting. Or, and I've, yeah, I've actually so heard so I've heard that from many people that that's one of the uh, one of the ways they use music. Like for instance, uh, I have a friend who was going through some dark times because her dog died. So she asked me right off the bat, "Can you make me a sad?" playlist you know something to fit the bill kind of like again a switch like you want to bring that 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 out at that particular time yeah um i i i often am not don't exactly walk down that road i i found that that more often than not sometimes i want to listen to the opposite sometimes i want to listen to something to escape from but even that not even so much it's not all about trying to fit the mood or trying to even even provide the anti-mood to, to cancel the two out. It's more for me, I think, about uh, about just going back to things that I know either energize me in either a positive or negative way, in either a, a, a tearful way or a joyous way. And no matter what, anything with a powerful emotional center, anything that is, is just driven front to back is probably something that will fit my any mood at all times. It's funny how those things have been able to be, you know, so versatile. How through the worst of times, I go back to the same thing. Through the best of times, I go back to the same thing. Either way, it will, it will bring me to the same, the same exact place. Some kind of absolution that just evens everything out and makes it so that it's all good in the end. That's, that's, that's kind of been my attack on music. It's not to say that I haven't ever done the, the turn-off, turn-on switch, but I, I, I've often find some... I find that it's not 100% pure. So my question for you, Steve, though, is someone who has... So I'm the few times that I've written 
music. I haven't really written music. A few times I've written lyrics, because I've written a few songs, um, lyrics. Maybe someday you guys will get to hear them if they actually have music to them. But I'm inspired by people and things for that, more so than actual music most of the time. You are a musician. You play piano, predominantly. 17 years. Um, and you've composed some stuff, like Thing Thing, which you've played for me, which is this great ragtime piece that he has that we will someday record and put up on the website and someday. on YouTube. Um, maybe he has like a, a off-track EP or something. Maybe. But when writing music, do you use music to conspire you, or do you do the same thing I do, where you seek inspiration from other things in the world that inspire you to be musical? I've gone through a very interesting uh, parabolic shift with that notion. I'm going to try not to not to tell my whole life story with this, but... Um, that would be fantastic, because we don't have enough time for that. Yeah, fair enough. We might. But but I, I do need to give just a little bit of background to answer that question. Sure. First of all, in the beginning, I was not a musician. I was not born a musician. So obviously, I started out in much the same way as you. Uh, it was typically you know, sources here and there just to kind of fuel my own musical tastes. I got a lot from my parents. My parents, that, that, that's my early days, but then that's the case with, with, with most children uh, who grow up in a household with a lot of music. Uh, vinyls, cassette tapes, they got me energized then. They still do today. This is why I go back to sometimes the same names here on the podcast. I'll throw out names like Vangelis' Albedo 0.36. Never remember a time where I haven't where I did not know that album. I, I don't remember a time where I just discovered it. It's always been a part of my life, as far as my memory carries me. Same with Men at Work's Cargo. Always been a part of my life. I wore out that cassette with the te- cassette dates from, like, 1983, and, and by the time I was born, it was just always a part of me playing it in my little Fisher-Price radio. So, fast forward there. I became a musician, much as the way most children do, which is at the, at the sort of cajoling of, of, of their parents. You know, go, let me take you to piano lessons, that kind of thing. So all of a sudden there, I, you know, there was a piano in my house, just because there was a brief time in which my mother played piano when she was 16. Not a great piano, kind of crappy thing, but it was there. I wasn't an avid practicer, but I was a quick learner when I was young, so I moved forward with it at a, at a pretty steady pace. But then again, for a little kid... Moving forward, it, it, it still is kind of manufactured. It's all about the books that are given to you by your piano teacher and that kind of thing that sort of get your, your the, the, the juices flowing, get the, get, the, get the neurons firing. And it helped. And that's eventually what led me to ragtime, which is a pretty powerful influence in my playing career, which was sort of separate from what I was listening to by that point. This is like middle school. I'm still kind of expanding on music from my parents at this point. I'm getting into more of the finer points of classic rock. Stuff, stuff John likes to talk about. Beatles stuff, uh, Pink Floyd stuff. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, less... Uh, Jim Morrison. Jim Moore. Oh, d- definitely a lot of Doors. Uh, all that stuff. Okay. All the great, great 70s stuff. Anyway, there was that, and there was Ragtime. What a crazy shift, right? But So my brain was split into two different places where all of a sudden when I'm at the piano, I'm starting to develop this notion of like a stride-type bass pattern, right? And this is becoming like a fundamental part of what I kind of like to see in, in, in music, like this, this bouncing back and forth left-hand style, you know, the lower end to the mid-range, lower end to the mid-range. It's the kind of style that just stays with you over the years, and then it, it fuels your later stuff in, as a musician, 
I would find other stuff that had the same thing. Like I'd go back to classical, and then I I would I would listen to to Chopin, which also did the same stuff. Meanwhile, there's another fork there, and that's the classic rock stuff advancing into more modern music, more modern like indie oriented fields. You know what classic rock became over the course of like thirty rock of thirty years or so, and. It's just weird how those two became more split and split and split and diverted so that by the time I came to college, I knew so much about classical at the same time I knew so much about rock. And I gradually started to enjoy the moments where they fused. Not necessarily in like the overbearing kind of like Trans-Siberian Orchestra kind of thing where we're going to deliver you, you know, a straight up mashup of rock and, and classical, uh, another comparison would be like Hans Zimmer, like the kind of stuff that he does. That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of music that sort of sought classical frameworks, which I thought to be the most expansive back then, that had, had room for the most development, and that's really what was starting to get me really teary-eyed at that, at that point. That's the stuff that had the most potential. And rock knows about this stuff. People who are in the rock field, especially if they had the same, similar kinds of influences, they would like to go back to the same things. So for me, it was about sort of finding that parabolic shift where the two ended up just merging in the end. So that when I'm sitting at the piano, I end up sort of playing a kind of combination of the two. Even though they might still dip in more into classical, they bro breach into jazz. But it's, it's just all over the place at this point. You find niches in patterns, not so much in, 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 in set uh, frameworks if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's kind of nice to get at this from different angles. And when talking about music and the baloney that I've been... Well, not baloney, let's not downplay it. But the, the, the line that I overquoted in the first season, I guess we can say, of episodes that you guys like to mock me about. It's a season. We're going to come it's, up on third season. It's, it's, it's true, though. Like, you know, that people... People don't just listen to music differently. I find as I get older and I find as I do more creative things myself and push harder to promote this website and the work that we do, that people utilize music differently. It's not just listening. Listening's too basic now. We're past that. Everybody on the planet utilizes music differently. Utilize is a very, very good term for it because... Yeah, in, inspiration is, is is kind of broad. Utilizing is, is, is really what it's about in the end in terms of really making it make something of your own life, uh, whether that is about continuing music, um, like it is often for me. But then again, there's still the other part of that fork. I'm not always using everything I listen to. There's parts of, of, of music out there which I, I... There's parts of the pantheon of genre work, which I, I love, but I know I'm probably never going to dip into as an artist because it just doesn't jive with the kind of piano style that I've been learning for so many years. It would, be a, it would be a kind of reset button almost in many ways. I discovered that when, when I tried to learn jazz. Poof, not the kind of training that I had had as a classical musician, so it was like a reset button right there. But it would be a very long haul for me to you know attack jazz from the ground up. Is there anything you really would consider sacrosanct? What do you mean by that? Stuff you wouldn't touch specifically oh, I because touch. it's as a, not that as it's a musician not, or as a listener. As a musician, like stuff you just would never approach because you can't do better. Like it's already the holy grail of its style, or it's already already a holy grail of music. Nope, 
because in fact everything that I that I identify as a holy grail in my own eyes is exactly what I'm drawn to and exactly what I seek to expand. You're gonna ruin the holy grail. Just no, I'm just there. I mean I'm just it a little there. bit a little bit of uh confidence and, and I think somewhat pretentiousness has to step in. A little with this. bit. You need a lot. No, man. seriously, but it, that's for more. that's for any musician. And it, because if you don't if you don't believe that you can make a difference, if you don't believe that you can in some ways do something better with music, you know, and take it to greater places, take it to greater heights, and inspire the next generation even more than you were inspired, then you don't have a prayer, because that's that's what drives the geniuses. Well, Not I, saying that I'm a genius, I'm just saying I have an aspiration, I have a dream. Well, I feel worse for people who create manufactured pop music. See, but no, I disagree, and I'll tell you why. On the same sense that Steve says that there's music that he would never touch, uh, not that he would never touch, but that, you know, is would be a long haul and sometimes it's separate from him wanting to write, it's just something he enjoys. Just like there's music that inspires me, emotionally drives me, there's tons of music I turn to on a daily basis that does nothing for me, that I just mindlessly want to enjoy and move through and not feel anything. Uh, my favorite thing to point to when I want to listen to is Rob Zombie. I love Rob Zombie, but most of his music is just heavy rock with almost no purpose other than to be heavy rock. It's not really inspirational. It's not really emotional. It's, it's mostly perspirational. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know what that is? You know, this almost takes us back to an earlier discussion where we talked about guilty pleasures and how we had an argument about, you know, I put forth that, <coughs> that there is no such thing as right. a guilty pleasure. Because I, it's harder for me to relate to that, I feel, just because of the fact that... Um, that more often than not, I'm addicted to something for a reason. I know I'm going to be able to explain well, it in the end. Well, then I think maybe it's more that I don't feel nothing when I listen to Rob Zombie, but whatever I'm feeling is more abstract and esoteric, just kind of either a general happiness or general enjoyment. I'm just feeling enjoyment instead it's of feeling... like a white noise. Instead of feeling right, a very specific a thing. Um, emotion. Um, I well, think... It's, it's, well, it's also often that way... With, um, you know, noise rock, for instance. We touched upon noise rock recently. We also touched upon ambient. I mean, mm -hmm. I imagine most people seeking these genres are not going to be attacking it from the active listening perspective that we approach everything with. Although I know some people who, who do, even just as listeners. But a lot of that is for that purpose. Just to provide you kind of just a general background noise. Um, but since you brought up like something like Rob Zombie, do you think that is the case of a switch? Are you trying to be put in a mood? No, we're not with Rob. Not Zombie. even a mood. It's not e so. It's really just like this even, this even zero. Just yeah. kind of stay exactly where you are, but have some form of soundtrack. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine some ambient music could also do that for some people. Probably. Some people. I mean, choose I, it to fit. It's fit an a accelerant. Mood. Right. Well, also for me, I'm always <laughs> listening to music actively, so ambient would bore me. Whereas that, I'm entertained by Rob Zombie. At least I'm finding an enjoyment in it, and I think that's the difference for me personally. Um, but I think it's kind of bringing it back around to the, the the overall point we're getting to is that this this way we utilize music i think the reason i wanted to talk about it today is because it's important to find what drives us and i mean what's driven me to push this website for over four years um as of this past march we passed our four-year anniversary it's I, I hope I never stop finding new things in music. And I don't know that I will. It goes back to that Vsauce, you know, will we run out of music thing. If there's ever a moment where I can't find some kind of music that 
blows my mind or blows me away or inspires me, you know, I think that's what will continue to perpetuate this cycle of inspiration for everyone is you find things that you don't expect. And that's, that's, that's part of the reason I have that, that philosophy that, you know, as a musician, I, I, I seek to sort of build that next thing. It may be a lofty goal, but it's, it's, it, I, think it's um, I think it's the goal that, that most musicians have whenever they step into the game because you know what you're stepping into. You know how broad it is, and yet somehow you need to find some, some niche to carve out and make a difference because and, that's the ultimate goal. And I, I've had this situation, even just, you said... Uh, you know, it might be difficult, granted, to always find the next best thing, but at the same time, I, I, you know that it's probably never going to ha happen where it'll be just a, a dead calm out there. You know, yeah. there have been some dead calms in, like, the pop world, for instance, but then there have also been great Genres times. Genres always the go and come back. And they wax and wane. Exactly. But there's always something, which is why another thing I, I would always always preach is to look back, look back in time to, to the rich history that, that you will probably never exhaust for me, you know, I just recently looked up a piece by Leo Ornstein, a composer which has been relatively forgotten. And just get this about him. Fun fact, he lived to be 109 years old from about 18, uh, well, 18-something to, I think, 2000 and, 2002. So well, that gives you the first year, essentially. But just imagine that framework of time yeah. to live the in. Entire the entire 20th century. The entire 20th century. You know, I made a comment just to... To my friends saying, imagine what that is for music itself, and he said, well, imagine that what that is for history itself also, just to yeah. live through all that and all the different uh, ebbs and flows you have to experience. So I'm talking about uh, the luxurious time that we live in, where we can actually dip back to all the recordings that exist because it's eternal from here on out, provided the provided the cloud continuously operates for the remainder of eternity, then all this stuff is 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 for the taking. Uh, and yet that guy lived through it all as it was happening. It's, just, yeah. it's a fascinating thing for me, and I, I, I discovered stuff that he did back in, like, 1924, and it blew my mind away. That was my next elevating moment, was something from 1924. Go figure. Plus, if you find that all you're listening to is crap, well, fix it. Fix it. Yeah, no, don't stay in a rut. That's another thing. I don't, I don't want to turn this into to, a You don't need to thing. find music that inspires you because it's awesome. You should. You, sometimes you got to find music that inspires you because it's awful. Yeah, you, you mean like hit the bottom before you climb back up? It's like, well, that that right there, that little thing that they did in that post-industrial noise rock monster techno, you know what? That's a great idea, but they did it all wrong. i got to make it better. Some people do that. That's true. Some people are inspired it. by the worst. That's interesting. Now, that's something I have not tackled. That would be actually a, quite a challenge for me as a musician. To, I what, think to, to make post-industrial rock well, monster no, not techno? that specific. To make something of to make something of, of, of what I feel is awful and to make it into a positive. That's it would a, be it'd be probably more challenging than what I said before. I mean, I'm on the same page as Steve. I made this website to emulate my favorite podcast hero, Chris Hardwick. I mean, he he. He was the one of the first podcasts I ever started listening to, and he inspired me to build something similar and then take it in my own direction, which is pretty much what I've done. And so to find a terrible podcaster and be like, wow, that's awful. We could do this so much better. It would be interesting to try and make my own podcast, maybe not music related, that's better than what's out there. But I think this... 
This is a whole that's different how I thing. approach so much. Now definitely apply that to your sometimes, own life. I was applying it to fix something. I was applying it to musicians, but definitely apply that to to just about anything that you do. I think it requires ambition. Ambition is the most important thing uh, to elevate art to. A, you, you should always be ambitious and reach for the stars. You can't fall unless you try. There you go. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, Can I just remember just a little piece of of uh, of um, current events right here? I was I was apparently Jim Carrey recently did a uh, uh, commencement speech mm -hmm. at a certain college. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he gave a a, a an interesting tidbit of advice. Uh, related to his father who was, you know, struggling. Okay. He was from a poor right. family and whatnot. And it, the fact that he lost his job and didn't go for what he wanted proved to Jim Carrey that this, yeah. uh, the quote was, you can fail at what you don't want, so you might as well try for something you do. Yeah, so, also, very briefly, lot. I want to mention, because this is an artist who was brought to us by a guest recently, the newest version of Epic Rap Battles of History was Sir Isaac Newton versus Bill Nye, and Sir Isaac Newton was played by Weird Al, and it was quite hilarious. Who won? Um, nobody. They, nobody ever wins. You you choose. But Bill Nye had backup um, from um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I figured as much. It's either that or Carl's going to show up. So that was interesting. It was fun. I shared it on, I think, my personal Facebook page, so go check that out. But let's move on. To move on through towards the end of this wonderful episode. Steve, why don't you take us into our fan mail or uh, spam mail or whatever we're calling it this week. <laughs> do you even want to hide it at this spam point? I was, gonna do, I was gonna do the song. Spam mail, spam mail, it's our spam mail. Yeah. That's your job now. Thank you. <clears throat> do you have a spam problem on this site? I also... <laughs> Let him finish it. I also am a blogger, and I was wanting to know your situation. We have developed some nice practices, and we are looking to trade techniques with other folks. Be sure to shoot me an email if interested. By browse around this website. Amazing. Now we're just getting meta. Yes, now we're, we're, we're getting, getting meta. meta. I think that's the next stage in, 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 uh, in AI development. Is being meta? Teaching computers to be meta? Yeah, if they're self-commenting, that's, that's, that's only like a step getting, from being no. self-aware. That's terrifying. That's like getting junk mail saying, Hey, are you tired of pornographic websites sending you junk mail? Well, come here. Literally. <laughs> Alright. Well, uh, thanks for listening as always. Keep posting on the Facebook page with suggestions. Check out the donate link. Uh, we're looking to improve and expand a bit. And, and all of your... Donations help. You can even set a, a very low recurring monthly donation if you want instead of doing individual. Um, but reach out. You know the channels. Find us online. Next week, our, we have a guest. It's the return of Joe Rude. Um, I've been working on this for a while, and I'm really excited to have him back. And this time, he's bringing us something related to his summer gig, which is working at the Ren Fair. Um, he's an actor as well as a musician, and he's bringing us the band Carbon Leaf, and their, one of their latest records, Ghost Dragon Attacks Castle. Um, and so we'll have that for you next week. So remember, as always, music is life, and, and life, life is, is good. good.